Oh, I love that music, Mike Sealski. I love it. I love it when it accompanies a Sunday 1 o'clock start, <laughs> Glenn Mack now. Yeah, you and I were talking about that before we went on. It's the only 1 o'clock home game all year. Crazy. That's eh, nuts. Crazy. Tells you how much interest there is in the Philadelphia Eagles. I know, and it's great that they're a, a national team, but I, I do. I like my 1 o'clock games, but whatever. Not here to whine, here to enjoy, and we have so much to talk about with the Phillies. Headed toward the playoffs this week. couple of good guests today. Kevin Stocker is going to join us to talk about those Phillies. E.J. Smith, Mike's colleague from the Inquirer, will join us in a little bit to talk about the Eagles matchup with the Washington uh, Commanders, Commies. I still, <laughs> it just doesn't roll off nah, the tongue. It doesn't. Yeah. Everybody wants to call them by their old name. Yeah, or just what, Commanders, Comanches. It's like I, it's, I, whatever. Commies. Yeah, Commies is the one. All right, so let's open quickly just talking a little bit about the matchup and your confidence level mike on a scale of zero to 100 with 100 being metaphysical certitude Mm -hmm. what are the chances that the eagles fans go home with a smile on their i I shouldn't put it that way because they're not always smiling when the eagles win anyway that's true that the eagle fans go home tomorrow knowing that their team is 4-0 high high level of confidence in this game the only reason i'm not at 100%, Glenn, is that the Commanders actually beat the Eagles at home last year. And anything can happen game. in the NFL. Uh, that was that was like the game of keep away. What the Eagles did to Tampa the other day is kind of what they did last year, which is just every third and five, they ran for a first down. And, yeah, it was and, and the Eagles still should have won that game yeah. if Quez Watkins had not fumbled. Oh, deep God. Pass. All right. Forget that game. <laughs> that was then. This is now. We feel good about this game. What is the number one reason you like this game? Because I think it's the same one as mine. I am willing to bet it is the same one. The reason that the Eagles should win this game handily is that the the matchup of their defensive line and pass rush against the Washington offensive line is so one-sided yeah. in the Eagles' direction that you could argue it's unfair. Yeah. You may be too young to well, – now you probably remember. You were the Hogs? Uh, no, 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 no. This isn't the Hogs. This is an Eagles game against the Cowboys. I think it was a uh, Thanksgiving game when the Eagles oh the eighty nine game. Yeah, sure. when Aikman was a rookie and they yep. sacked him like eight or nine or ten times. Eleven, I think it was. I would not. Well, I don't think they'll get to eleven. But I, I'm telling you, I got an over under tomorrow at five and a half. Well, you're looking at. I got to win another bet from Ross Tucker. As a matter <laughs> of fact, I won that one last year. There you go. You're looking at a, a line and a quarterback and Sam Howell that have allowed nineteen sacks through three games, and those three teams that they faced, the Arizona Cardinals, Mm. the Denver Broncos, and the Buffalo Bills, Mm -hmm. don't have anywhere near the pass rush that the Eagles do. So Sam Howell might be running for his life tomorrow. Speaking of that pass rush, let's cover a little old business here before we get into the details of the new business, which, of course, this relates to what we're talking about, which is our stupid football bet, which I'm going well. So here's... Let's uh, we'll start with just replaying a moment from last week's game late in the first half. Baker Mayfield trying to make something happen with 39 seconds to go for Tampa. Here we go. Great job, Merrill Reese. Thank you. And Merrill, whatever. (laughs) Come on. So here's the deal. Uh, On that sack, nice for Fletcher Cox. We'll talk about him, too. The old man's having a good year. But 
Uh, Jalen Carter picks up a sack. That's one and a half sacks for the youngster. It, that's pretty good for a defensive tackle already. Along with his former Georgia teammate and other defensive tackle, the youngster Jaylen, uh, Jordan Davis has mm-hmm. one and a half sacks. That's one and a half plus one and a half. Hold on, let me do the math. Carry to five. That's three. <laughs> three nothing. Three nothing because uh, Hassan Raddick does not. I'm not going to poke fun at Hassan Raddick. I'm going to. No, don't do that. <laughs> that's Ben Kenny. That's not me. So here's the deal. Hassan Reddick got the cast off. Yes, so he did. Raring to go. I'm feeling like the 2010 Philadelphia Flyers against the Boston Bruins in the second round. I'm down 3-0, <laughs> but I'm not out of it yet. Well, you got you got a lot of time to go. <laughs> That's right. Uh, we're not in the second period. We yet. are not yeah. in the second period as yet. No, but I think the fact that Reddick got his cast off, I don't care what he says. I don't care what Nick Sirianni or Sean Desai say. It had to have been hampering him. So the fact that he is can go full bore now, certainly. Bodes well for me in this bet. I think so. I, th- I, I think he's going to get two tomorrow. I, I think it's possible he could get three. Right. I really do. Yeah, Against yeah, this yeah. offensive line, I have delusions of grandeur yeah, here, Glenn. Keep, I'm desperate. Keep, i got to get back in this keep, thing. Keep your shorts on, son. you got a lot, <laughs> you got a lot of time to go on that. But, yeah, so, look, the Eagles only had two sacks last week. Mm-hmm. But Tampa rushed 17 times for 41 yards. And that's the, that's the defensive line more than anything. That's not the safeties coming up to make the tackles. Right. That's the defensive line allowing no holes. Baker Mayfield threw for just 146 yards. Tampa didn't get 200 yards of offense in the whole game. And I do want to celebrate that defensive line. Jalen Carter, Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox is having a really good year. Mm-hmm. All, uh, go ahead. Depth, talent. Yeah. Look, we talk an awful lot about – the way that the Eagles over the years have been innovative in the way that they approach building a football team. Mm-hmm. You go for it on fourth down, the the amount of importance they put on the quarterback position and the <clears throat> pardon me, the resources they're willing to spend on that position, not just on their starter, but their backup, those sorts of things. At their core, they're all about the offensive and defensive lines. Yep. <clears throat> That's why this team is so strong. Uh it certainly was strong last year and is off to the three and zero start this year. And that comes down to that defensive line, as you said. And they need it to be that good because, look, have they been terrific the last couple of weeks defensively? Sure. But we also saw what Mac Jones did week one, throwing against the middle of that defense. That still concerns me a little bit. If a quarterback gets a little time, that's the weakness that can be exploited, and you need guys like Carter and Davis to not let that happen. I love those those, those baby defensive line, the baby Bulldogs. I, I love those guys. It really is a fun part of rooting for this team. Um, yes, they have injuries in the secondary that are worrisome. They have not much depth, at injuries at linebacker. It's going to make it tough, but not tomorrow. I think tomorrow yeah. Sam Howell, Thurston Howell, throws – two interceptions and get sacked five, six times. I think it's going to be a really – it's going to be one of those old-fashioned Eagle games from back in the day when the Eagles' defense is going to just crush. Buddy Ryan's name will be invoked way <laughs> More than too once much for your comfort On the tomorrow. telecast, yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm flashing back to uh, yeah. my middle school and high school days. But, no, I think you're right, Glenn. Howell is a fifth-round pick who puts the ball up and is risky in the ways that he does it. You know, it's kind of ironic when you think about it. Washington went into last season having signed or acquired Carson Wentz, hoping that Wentz could be disciplined enough to kind of get them get them through the season. <laughs> yeah, bit of a miscalculation. 
But Hal is very similar. I mean, he's been sacked 19 times. He's thrown five interceptions already, including four last week. He puts the ball up for grabs. Yep. It wouldn't surprise me if Darius Slay or James Bradbury had a pick or two tomorrow. Ooh, it's going to be fun. All right, so there's uh, Fred in Allentown, I think, wants to take up your case on the bet. So I'll okay. see what Fred's got to say. Good morning, Fred. Morning, morning. So, uh, yeah, I think this is going to be Hassan Reddick's coming out party. Uh, I'm looking at this might be a little bit overzealous, but I'm thinking two and a half sacks tomorrow. Uh, Fred, music to my ears, my friend. Music <laughs> to my ears. Because I mean, Glenn, Glenn is dusting me in this bet right now, and I need to catch up fast. Well, I think, you know, based on what Buffalo showed last week, I definitely think this offensive line for Washington is definitely faulty. Um I think uh, with Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis already applying pressure uh, to the quarterback, I feel that uh, obviously Hassan Reddick, you know, he's due for a great game. And I think, you know, obviously he's coming off those injuries, but he's getting back to 100%. I think he's going to be able to apply pressure. Uh, And I just think, like I said, the defensive line is just so – uh, dominant. It uh, is. They yeah. haven't had a chance to and, really and come Fred, out. And I don't listen. And thanks for the call, man. Have a great weekend. I don't disagree with him at all. I think Hassan Reddick mm-hmm. is due to bust out, and I think tomorrow could be the day. And yeah, you talked about it earlier. They said like, well, the cast on his hand isn't really affecting his game, but he's not a two hundred and eighty pound bull rush, right? Right. He's a guy who has to use his hands to get around people, push people, use leverage, all mm-hmm. these things. And I certainly think it's going to help him to get that. The, the other thing we haven't mentioned yet, Glenn, was think back to training camp where Reddick was the guy talking about contracts that other players at his position mm-hmm. were getting mm-hmm. and telling Jeff McClain, my colleague at the Inquirer, well, you see, you yeah. know, you yeah. see what I've done and how much I get paid compared to these other guys. So he is well motivated to go out there and put up a crooked number tomorrow when it comes to sacking the quarterback. So... Uh, I think the stars are aligning for me to get closer in this bed and for Hassan Reddick to have it. I think what happens day. is Hassan Reddick chases Sam Howell around into the middle where he lands in Jordan Davis's oh. arms. That would be. Don't I get partial credit then? <laughs> that would be the ultimate. Can I, you know, sh- right. I, you know, Hassan Reddick shows his work. Can I get partial credit for that? We got to bring up something else here in the first segment while we're talking about the Eagles. And this thing got so much publicity, it's such a growing issue. And I think you and I are on the same side, which appears to be the minority position, and it is the nationwide controversy over the tush push, Ugh. which is, to me, I I just, I really, really don't don't get it. Um, more and more people are coming out against it. Old-time football. People I respect. Dick Vermeil, who I respect so much, was on WIP speaking out against it. Peter King, who I think is one of the best football writers mm-hmm. in the country over the last 30 years. It's like it's an abomination. It's yeah. not a – okay. So this is Jack Del Rio. He is obviously the coach of Washington. So he's got a he's got a little bit of a uh, personal interest yes. in how this plays out tomorrow. But I think he's really the first coach to actively speak about it. And this was the interplay this week.
It's not a football play. It's a rugby play. It's essentially what Dick Vermeil said, what Peter King said. But I, Ike Reese, my colleague mm-hmm. who I respect on this station yep. more than I respect anybody these days. Ike is a voiced man. I listen to Ike for his judgment and his wisdom. And all of these people, it's not a football play. Now, you wrote a column this week making a pretty interesting parallel. So the it's not a football play response to the tush push really bothers me because that is the thing in any sport that the old guard always says when a new wrinkle or an innovation comes along. It's not a baseball play. It's not a football play. It's not a basketball play. And I'm biased here because I'm writing a book about the history, basically, of the slam dunk. But if you look back at when Bill Russell and Wilt Chamberlain were playing college basketball and revolutionizing the sport with their ability to play above the rim, guess what, Glenn? All you heard from the old guard was dunking isn't a basketball play. It's volleyball. It's not really basketball. And I just think the Eagles do the—anybody can run this play. It just so happens that the Eagles are set up to pull it off more effectively than any other team. They have the best offensive line in the sport. They have a quarterback who is happy to tell you that he squats 600 pounds. I don't know if you heard that, Glenn. Once or twice. Yeah. (laughs) So they can make it work. And if the other teams can't make it work, not to sound like a homer here, but so what? Uh, and by the way, other teams have tried it. Yeah. I saw the Colts try it. They didn't pull it off, okay? The Packers and, tried it. They couldn't right, do it either. Right, right. And I, th- and I actually think the least important part of it is Dallas Goddard or, or Swift getting behind Hurts and giving him a push. The most important – well, the most important part is Hurts, who, yes. as you said, is physically so strong and able to do that, and an offensive line that can jump out and get low and – Make push these guys back at the feet. Mm-hmm. That's why it works. Yes, it's a modified quarterback sneak. Quarterback sneaks have been around forever. It's modified. It's a little different. It looks a little weird. I enjoy it, and 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 I've had this. By the way, I've had this argument with Jody Mack, who's on the other side of right. the issue. He says, "Eh, you enjoy it because the Eagles win." It's like, well, I I can't separate myself from that, mm-hmm. but I just think it's cool. I actually, I don't find it offensive, and I don't understand why old guard people find it offensive other than, as you say, people just are resistant to change. Yeah, and look, some of this in the media is, I think, certain constituencies being served. Particular media that cover the league here, you know, any league, could be the NFL, could be the NBA, they hear from people within the league, and if people within the league don't like it, that might influence their position on it oh Mm. you know people around the nfl are telling me they don't like the tush push and they roll their eyes at it and things like that and i think it's an abomination we also tend to go way overboard with this stuff i can remember when the whole deflate gate controversy happened glenn (sighs) and there were analysts on espn crying about it about how terrible (laughs) this was to the sport are you kidding me like look that was that was a bit overblown it was a bit overblown and we're overblowing this to a great degree it's a play the eagles can run well if the Cowboys ran it well, if Washington ran it well, if the San Francisco 49ers ran it well, I would be saying the same thing. Do something to stop it. Their yes. Teams are going to have to try something radical to stop it, and then the Eagles will have to adjust accordingly. That's sports. Uh, there's a great quote from Dallas Goddard this week that uh, said, I think it was in your paper, I think I read in the Inquirer. Dallas Goddard said, sometimes when he and his teammates line up to run the tush push, he can, quote, see the despair in the eyes mm-hmm. yeah, of I was opposing there when he said that. defensive yes. linemen and linebackers. Yeah, and see, that was sweet. <laughs> that was 
part of my sarcastic justification in the column for banning it. Oh, maybe it was, I read it in your column. Yeah, was actually that, I did. I copied it from your column. There, there you go. go, Mike Sielski. Right. Like I don't want football players to have despair in their eyes. I like my football players to be happy. I don't want anybody to be sad when they're playing sports. And if we ban the tush push, yeah. maybe fewer players will be sad and more players will be happy. Again, the Eagles are good at it. If it was easy, every team would do it. Right. And every team doesn't do it. And many who have tried have failed. It's their thing. Yep. It's their brand. Don't take it away. Don't whine about it. And, Stop it. And they've tried a couple of times, to run fake plays out of it. Jalen Hurts oh. tried to run that the other night. And that was such Tampa. a mistake because you didn't need it there. Right. Save that, and he tripped, which was, you know, whatever. But to me, that was like, what a great thing to save for, like, the playoffs. Well, now it at least gives teams the thought that, okay, even if they do line up in this formation, they may not sneak it. There, guess, there's something yeah, else they can yeah, do out of yes, it than yes. just plow forward. Right, the sequent backwards psych out. Yes. yes. <laughs> the reverse psych I out. I think we're not going to do it, so we're going to, but maybe we won't. That's right. You know that I know that you know that I know. Exactly. Let's talk to uh, our friend Nick in Collegeville. Hello, Nick. What's up, guys? And we, you and I, Glenn, spoke well, was it last week with uh, Jody Mack about this. And yeah, this, he's anti-tush push. Yeah, he's a guy that's boring. And, and my point was, like, there's so many boring plays in football. There's the fourth. There's a fourth down punt, right? Yeah, yeah. I and, and you're right. And I'll just yeah. you know I don't I don't want to speak for Jody, but I will say that I disagree that it's boring because I find it pretty exciting, and right. especially the, in those situations yeah. when right. the other team happens to stop it, right? Like well, they have to three, account three out of forty one. Yeah, that's yeah, all right. But to me, well, it does get stopped. It's exciting to me because it's fourth and one, mm-hmm. and they're going to go for it, or they're a yard away from the goal line. Just by the nature of when it's occurring, Nick, it's exciting. Right. Now, and here's the other thing. Remember, I think it was two weeks ago. I think uh, New England was on a Saturday night or, I mean, Sunday night. And Belichick did something that we've never seen done ever in football. The flanker on a punt. So defensively, they were receiving a punt. The guy who was covering a wide receiver outside on the hash mark, he came running in like a man in It was on a field goal, Nick. It was on a field goal. And he he blocked it. Now, if if Belichick starts blocking four punts a game, is the NFL going to come out and go, oh, nobody else is doing it, so we should stop this play. Like, it's insane. If yeah. somebody's smart enough to come up with a concept, then it's, it's a, as long as not, it's not like they stopped a couple things over the years because it just wasn't really about football. It was about gimmicky or getting hurt, hurting people. So, But this is a true football play strategy, period. That's it. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're with you. Speaking of hurting people, and I, and I know he was being facetious. Oh, yeah. Whatever Chris Sims said. You know, you do that, you got to go kill the quarterback. I tell my guy, go take his head off. And he didn't literally mean to kill him, but what he meant is, hey, if you got to get a 15-yard roughing penalty, it's worth it. Well, at that point, half the distance to the goal line. Sure. Right. It's worth it. And I kind of got – I don't – I didn't really disagree with him. If, it was, if the shoe was on the other foot, we have Andre Waters back there at there safety. We, yeah. Of course we'd be good with that. And, again, I heard people – making this argument that, well, they should ban it before Jalen Hurts or another quarterback who tries it gets injured, to which my response is, look, this is football. You can only mitigate the safety of the players so much. And I don't know about you, Glenn. I don't feel like we have enough roughing the passer penalties. I need more. So what are we talking about here? Uh, We're talking about nonsense, and I don't want to say jealousy because I don't think Peter King, Dick Vermeil, I don't think these people are jealous, but I think it's it's not. 
It's it, yeah. It's, Enjoy. It, it's All overstating right. it. So we got the Eagles out there. You heard we didn't really give you our predictions of the games. Mike and I are pretty confident about it based on we didn't talk about the offensive line much. I guess we did that. The defensive line we think is going to dominate. And we talked about our support of the we're, we're tush push pushers. Yes. Although more and more people around here are calling it the brotherly shove. Eh. I, I, tush push is a little naughty. I kind of like tush push. Tush push to me was kind of the I don't I don't know who gets credit for it. But that was the one that just kind of came up organically. Yeah. The other one seems like we're trying to make it something that so I'm 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 anti that. We're gonna work in the Phillies in the next segment as the playoffs begin here in this town in just a couple of days. We're very excited about that and excited to talk to you. Two one five five nine two ninety four ninety four with Mike Sealski. I'm Glenn Mack now on ninety four WIP. It's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before another long, cold winter season rolls in. Hey, the great people at Got a Door and Window, they're going to help. They're going to uh, make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. Now, you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. So it means you buy an entry door, you get half off a storm door. You buy a patio door, you get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, God is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down, interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation, in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mackner. We're going to get to the Phillies, but uh, Rick wants to weigh in on the tush push, and we always like a counter position. So, Rick, you are our anti-tush push caller for the hour. Yeah, guys. I think everybody's been missing the point. I haven't heard people talk about this. There are rules, I believe, in the NFL where you can't assist the runner. You can't pull him forward to advance the ball. Is that correct? Yes, it is, but the language in the rule book was changed in 2005, Rick. To allow for this kind of thing, you can't pull a runner forward, but you can push him forward. But see, that's in my mind, that's the same thing. You're assisting the runner. If you put three wideouts out there, you throw the ball. Can somebody push him forward from a uh, three wideout position on the outside? Yes, if he has the ball. Yeah. Yes. So I've, seen, I've seen to, that. I've seen. You're that. allowed to push a a ball carrier forward. See that that just does not make sense for me. It's assisting the ball carrier. Again, it gets the way it gets away the basics of football. I just if ten guys are pushing a guy, yeah. it just gets away from the essence of football. I, I, I hear think- I, Rick. I hear what you're saying, but the thing about the discussion around the tush push has been that everyone acknowledges that it's legal. The argument that they're making is, well, they should make it illegal. Yeah, I, I just think assisting the ball carrier in any way. Okay. Just goes against the essence. Of I got football. you. We appreciate it. Yeah. I, 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 Rick, I, you're banned. No, just kidding. No, I, I, I appreciate <laughs> it. All right, let's uh, let's shift to a little baseball here, Ben Kenny. Great job. Oh, there we go. The song. Right, can't leave that out. Great job by Scott Fransky. Uh, Phillies rained out last night, uh, so it was a good night for scoreboard watching, as you hear uh, them get into the playoffs, and now they have clinched the top wild card spot in the NL. Um, which means the game's going to be here, which is great. Yes. The three games, the best of three, and they don't move. So it's just it's like last year they played in St. Louis. This year, hey, we're home. So here's my question to you about the way the Phillies are entering this postseason and the region's 
perspective on it. Let's put it that way. Okay. Okay. So my my theory is that last year, part of the reason that the atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park was so incredible was that people felt like they had nothing to lose by giving themselves over to the Phillies. The Phillies were the sixth seed in the National League. They were the last wild card team to get in. Nobody really expected them to make a run, and then out of all of a sudden, that kind of out of nowhere, they start winning games and momentum builds, and people are happy to have playoff baseball back. And so the atmosphere at Citizens Bank Park is electric and amazing. Things are a little different this year. The Phillies came in expected to be a playoff team, and now they are a playoff team. And they're in the aftermath of having made a run to the World Series. I have no doubt that the ballpark's going to be on fire, so to speak, Tuesday night for that first playoff game. What happens if they lose game one? Are people going to get nervous? Yeah. Is the atmosphere going to be the same? And if so, how does the team respond to that? The atmosphere is going to be largely the same. Yes, if if they lose in game one in a best of three, you're going to be nervous because one more loss and you're out. Right. So, yeah, they'll be nervous. But it will be loud and raucous and aim to throw off the visiting starting pitcher and and all of that. I don't think that people are going to be uh, – they're not going to be able to applaud because they're going to be biting their nails in fear. So mm-hmm. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I mean, inside – you know, outside is going to be like, oh, we got this thing. Inside is going to be like, ooh, Zach Gallantine, a little nervous. But they'll the, the place is going to be great. The stadium is going to be great. The ballpark is going to be great. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, they listen, in a best of three series, anything can happen. You, mm-hmm. could, you could be out of the – Aaron Nola yeah. tosses a clunker in game two. You could be going home. That said, I'm pretty confident and not worried about the, the fans – and really not worried about the team because this is a veteran team full of guys yeah. who have won before here and elsewhere. So I don't I don't think this these guys are going to fold by any stretch. No, and I don't think I, I'm not suggesting they would. I just think back to Game Five of the 2011 Divisional Series, the the oh, Halliday Carpenter uh, game, uh, uh, where uh, I remember it well. There was that palpable sense yeah. of oh boy, yeah, and. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just curious if people, you know, if you think it might. Eh, Anything can happen. But I I think the atmosphere, the least of my concerns is the atmosphere at the ballpark because this, Mm -hmm. the town earned a well, or got a well-earned reputation last year, if it didn't have before it, as this incredible baseball base who show up and scream for nine innings. And just off of wanting to affirm that this is who we are, mm-hmm. we're going to do it again. We're going to where people are going to go, and they're going to be loud and raucous and enthusiastic and support their team because we saw what it did last yeah. year. Oh, it was, and it really it was meant the, something. It was the greatest home field advantage. I, I really do I've, believe I that, may have ever seen. Yeah, and if I'm another team, I don't want to come in here and play the Phillies right now. I really don't. This is not where I want to be. You are saying what I have been saying all season, Glenn. That this team is as well as it did during the regular season and it clinched the playoff berth with a week to go. This is a team built to win a short series, built for playoff baseball because of the lineup they have and because of the way they can pitch. They haven't pitched this way all year, but they have enough hard-throwing arms in the bullpen that they can strike people out in late innings. They have a couple guys at the top of the rotation who now have playoff experience who should be able to give you quality starts I've said it before. I'm saying it again. There isn't a team in the National League that wants to face the Phillies. I in the think playoffs. that's right. So they get rained out last night. I'm doing a little scoreboard watching. 
the Marlins beat the Pirates. Well, the Pirates stink. Okay, yeah. so that, that that's, that's like, it's like beating a Legion team. Yeah, right. The Diamondbacks lose. Mm. Uh, well, that means something. Uh, the Brewers beat the Cubs in ten. The Reds win. So right now, Arizona eighty four and seventy six. Now they play the Astros, who still have something to play for. Yes. So the Astros are not rolling over by any stretch. Miami one game or half a game back. Excuse me, at eighty three and seventy six. They're playing the Pirates, and if the if the Marlins win, Ben Kenny, if the Marlins. If there's a the Marlin, if it matters, the Marlins got to go back to New York for a day. Is that right? For one inning. For they're, one, they're, right? They suspended the game against the Mets, so they would have to fly to New. Well, I mean, I guess they would play here after, so it's not that that horrible. But they, they would have to fly to New York to pick up that game that was suspended. And it might on Monday. Not, that would be Monday. Yeah, yes. it would be Monday. It might not just be to get in. It might be if them and the Diamondbacks are separated by that half, half game. game. Yeah, because that right. decides who comes to Philly. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay, so they're still in it. Arizona-Miami, the Cubs and Cincinnati are pretty much out. They're yeah. a game and a half, two games behind. The so Cubs are cubbing all over themselves. Man, they really are. Wow. Oh, did they, they, they looked, I thought they were going to be the team. Twice they had late-inning leads against the Braves and burped them up. Right, and I know some people don't like all the wild cards, but it really does create drama right down to the last week. Absolutely. So, Mike Sealski, let's say it's Arizona-Miami. Mm-hmm. Who do you want to play? I want to play Miami. Really? Yeah. I'm the other way. Now, I like Arizona's team. I know it would be to the Phillies' advantage that they would probably have to probably avoid Zach Allen, um, at least in game one. At least, yeah. Uh, yeah. But I like the makeup of Arizona's team. I, I, they would scare me a little more than mm. Florida. Okay. Miami would. Uh, Zach Allen is good. Zach Allen is. Could win the Cy Young this year. Merrill Kelly, local guy, is yep. very good, but he hadn't pitched that well in uh, since August. Yes. Really, uh, they got this amazing rookie, Corbin Carroll. He's a, he's a great. I know player. he's going to be he's going to be a superstar, and he maybe already be. He's the rookie of the year, and he I think he hit twenty five homers and stole fifty bases, and he's putting up numbers. I like Kettle Marte, their second baseman, and all of that. Um, but I I think the starting pitching doesn't line up well for them. You're right. Okay. Um, by the way, Zach Allen has a 5.30 ERA in his last six starts. That ain't good. No. So I, 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 I like that. Miami to me, it's just like that's your old nemesis. nemesis. Yeah, yeah, you got the ghost of Jeff Conine. Man, there's always rising from the grave. Is, you know, those those are always tough games against the Marlins. They the Marlins won the season series, and I know that doesn't carry over mm-hmm. into the playoffs. That's just situational thing. Uh, Arise is great hitter. Yeah. Um, Josh Bell is good. Solaire is good. Jake Berger is good. Now they don't have Alcantara, which is a big deal. They didn't have much of a year. The Phillies definitely have more talent than both of those teams. I'll take. Uh, I'll take Arizona. The the Marlins would scare me for this reason. They're a team with nothing to lose, right? And that's always what you want to avoid in a postseason. Uh, I think, to me, the bigger question is not about who the Phillies face in the first round. You can play matchups all day long with both teams. As I said, I like I would be more fearful of Arizona. To me, and I think you agree, this is going to come down to game two and the guy who's going to be starting game two. Yeah, this could, this could be the Aranola legacy game, which – I mean, I think I've probably said that ten times over the <laughs> over the years. He but, has more legacies than any pitcher to me, in Philly's Yeah, I, you know, he has not had a good season, but he really came on well in the last couple starts. Yeah. We know he is capable of brilliance. He's capable of seven innings, three hits, no runs. Yep. We we could see that. 
He's also capable of cruising for the first three innings, <laughs> and then somebody gets on base, and all of a sudden he turns into bad Nola, and it's like the, you're watching the, the the pitch clock go down, and he's and he's nibbling, oh, and he can't put a guy away. Yeah, after and, and the, head last year, do you have those stats in front of you from the playoffs last year? I do. I have them right here. He made five postseason starts last year, and. In his final three, he did not. Well, give get... me the first two first. All right, so the first two were terrific. Yeah, St. Louis in the wild card round, six and two thirds innings of shutout ball, six yeah. strikeouts, Dad, one no, walk. I like that Nola. Game three against the Braves, six innings, five hits, one yeah. run, unearned, yeah. six strikeouts. That's the Nola I want to see. Then we come to the cliff, and Aaron falls off it. Yeah. Four and two thirds innings, six runs against the Padres. Padres yeah. Four and a third inning, five earned runs against the Astros, and then four innings, seven hits. Three earned runs against the Astros. Uh, yes, yeah, he was terrible. not good in the World no, Series. No, no. So, uh, to me, I I am counting. I am very confident. I'm going to get a good start out of Wheeler in Game One. Mm-hmm. I'd be shocked if I don't. Then Game Two comes Nola. After that, the rotation is a you know a little spotty. You're not yeah. really even sure who's it going to be. How long is it going to last? Is is Thompson going to give him four innings and move to the thing? Nola's got to be good in that game, too. It's got to be the good Nola, not the bad Nola. He does. Yeah. And he's look, he's pitching for a contract, too. Yeah, well, he's, he's pitching, pitching for a contract, for a contract too. all year long. Well, but this certain games matter more than others. Well, this is the ultimate. Well, it's not the ultimate because no. the ultimate's coming up. But this is <laughs> the, the most important so far. All right, we'll come back. We'll get some phone calls in. We'll talk uh, a little baseball and football. 11 o'clock, we're going to be joined by Kevin Stocker, who will weigh in on all these good issues. With Mike Sealski, I'm Glenn Mack now, 215-592-9494. Hey, I had a chance to catch up this week with the great people at Meridian Bank, along with one of their business banking customers. Now, you know over the years I've met several business owners they work with. Every time, I've just been blown away at how highly these people speak of Meridian Bank and their relationship. Knowing the team of people at Meridian, as I do, this is no surprise. They are the preferred bank of businesses and entrepreneurs. Meridian itself well, they're entrepreneurial. They know how to listen to great ideas and how to understand innovative thinking. You should learn how Meridian Bank can help your business succeed at meridianbanker.com. You know, I don't know about that. And Beat is an Eagles fan. Sorry, Josh. I don't know about that. Yeah. And I got to tell you, I am not. I don't agree with Howard Eskin on everything. A lot of things. I do. But I agree with Howard that it will be a really bad look tomorrow if Josh Harris, the traitorous owner of the Philadelphia 76ers and carpetbagging owner of the Washington Commies, shows up at that stadium tomorrow in a box smiling. Well, he won't be smiling at the end, but with members of the Sixers in tow with him who end up by nature of sitting next to him rooting for Washington. That'd be really bad. It it does seem, and again, I'm not as down, so to speak, on Harris as you are. Oh, I think the, I think he gives the Sixers be. plenty of resources, and do I think he's a perfect owner? Of course not. But be that as it may, it does seem to me that he relishes the success of Washington in the little limited time he's had them, and the Devils more than he does the Sixers. I've seen him in front of. Uh, the Devils Arena before playoff games, high-fiving fans. And maybe it's a matter of him feeling that these are franchises that need more boosting than the Sixers do because Philadelphia is a great sports town and the Commanders are such a had been such a bad franchise Boy, for so you long. Are, you are rational. I'm trying. You I'm are trying, really? Man. Hello. 
What are you rationalizing? Oh, he's just a bad there. guy. There yes, you go. Right. he's just a bad. You know what? Here's what people should do tomorrow if they see Josh Harris. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's Most what they. I want to thank our fans. That that guy. Oh man, he drives me nuts. And 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 people say to me, and I'll, I'll people will reach out to me now on social media, like, "What do you care? He owns the team. He's not playing. He's not making decisions." As you say, gives him the resources. I want to believe, even if it's an illusion, that my owner cares about my fan base. And if you care about the Sixers fan base, you care about the Eagles fan base, the Flyers fan base, the Phillies mm-hmm. fan base, you don't own a team in Washington, a division rival, and come in here and sit in our stadium tomorrow and root against our team. You don't do it. You cannot own the Sixers, sit in this stadium, and root against the Eagles. And again, if people see him tomorrow... Yes, Mike Sealski, are you with me? Well, I'm not going to stand up and boo Josh Harris. I but am in the press wanna, box. <laughs> but if people want to boo be, Josh that Harris, that, go that would be unprofessional. Yes. Yeah. Um, but if people want to boo Josh Harris, go ahead and boo yes. Josh Harris. I will say this, Glenn. It's imperative. I think you'll appreciate this. I don't know if you saw the story that Ramona Shelburne from ESPN did, the deep, deep dive into Harris and why he felt like he had to buy the Commanders and all this, but her opening anecdote. I'm getting nauseous already. If you remember, I believe it was the Monday night game. There was a Monday night game that Joe Buck and Troy Aikman were calling, and they Mm. did this very awkward interview. Oh, yeah, the handshake. The handshake interview. (laughs) The little hamster hand handshake. Yes. Yes. So the opening anecdote of Ramona's story reveals that Josh Harris was standing on a wooden box to do that interview Mm. so that he would be tall enough on the camera, yeah, and kind of even yeah. with Buck yeah. and Aikman. Yeah. So yeah. interesting. I, I just kind of thought that was fun. Yeah, boo this man. All right, that's what I said. <laughs> what is that from? I forget. Uh, forget what movie that's from. Nineteen nineties. I'll, I'll figure it All out. All right. I just remember the line. Jack and Santa Barbara is with us. Hey, Jack. Hey, Prof. How are you doing? We're hey, doing Mike. great. Hi, Jack. Hey, uh, before I make my point of view, um, do you think Josh Harris cared that the Bucks got? Dame Lillard this week. <laughs> you know, I think he ought to. He ought to care, and well, the Sixers and Daryl Morey ought to care. And right. I'd like to think Daryl Morey is working to try to get Drew Holiday here if he can. But we'll see. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you, yeah you I think I think that. Josh is a little bit distracted now with his with his new football toy. Good point. Yeah. So. Uh, on the station this week, and I think it was on uh, John and Joe's show, they interviewed Jordan Mailata. Yeah. And about about the Tush national – Yeah, that it was uh, people crying out that it was a rugby play. Yep. Okay? He laughed. Well, he, he would know. Yeah. Okay? If you watch the movie Invictus, it, yeah. it, it, it educates you about – what rugby is. But and, and here's the thing, Jack. Go ahead. Go ahead. It, if it is a rugby play so or a play what? inspired by rugby, why is that a bad thing? Right. So what? We, we, we have a rugby player. We're playing to our strengths. Right. But rug, rugby is like an amoeba that moves around and is will break. Yeah. I, I, I think the precursor to this is that we have a quarterback with really strong lower body yep. that yeah. will, will get the first down, whether it's a scrum or not. And I, I think the real unsung hero here 
is Kelsey because if you want to look at the league and the way they might put a red flag on this, they might start calling, you know, illegal movement, but he's got everything no, under control. No, not, not on that. He's there. Jack, I got to run, but always great to hear from you, and I appreciate it. Always always good point of view. Let me uh, – I, I got to hit a break soon, but Jay wants to disagree with my uh, brilliant Josh Harris point, so, <laughs> Jay, you certainly can take a shot. Hey, good. Y'all killing me with this. Like, the guy got money to buy the team. Yeah. So y'all mad at him for that? I'm not mad that he has money. I'm mad that he uses money to uh, go against the interests of Philadelphia sports fans who I feel a close affinity to. So if you owned the Phillies but you had the chance to buy your own town Sabres, you wouldn't do it? No, I would own the Phillies. You know. That's a good point, Jay. So let me. That's a good point. Cool. Why in the world would I want to own the Buffalo Sabres? Let's be because honest. Because you okay? have a hometown connection to that that's team. team. Yeah, that's fine. That's great. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I did. That was a long time ago, and to be honest with you, I don't. Ca- I haven't cared about him for thirty years. Uh, but here's you're with us, right? Okay. How about the Bills? I'm glad. That How about you would the Bills? Know. I'm going to own the Eagles and the Bills. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. Let's say here's the here, and, and I will even make a distinction. And if you think this distinction is BS, you can I'm say it. All right. Well, oh, jeez, oh, 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 Jay, you came in ready to fight. You're coming in hot. Here's the distinction. Okay. If, if Josh Harris, all right, shush, shush, shush. If Josh Harris owned the Sixers and said, "I'm going to buy the Los Angeles Chargers," I would not be as offended. I wouldn't love it, mm-hmm. but it's not my freaking division rival. The New Jersey Devils are a division rivals. The Washington Commanders, they may be behind the Cowboys and the Giants now just because they haven't been relevant, mm-hmm. but it's a stinking division rival that you play twice a year. You're missing a distinction. He grew up rooting for them. That's like somebody Well, then else. good. Then sell the Sixers. <laughs> then why does he own the Sixers? Hey, look, because he bought them first. They was up for sale first. Well, then sell them. You want to own that team, sell this team. Yeah, All right, Jay, I, I gotta hit I gotta run, but it, this I hear the Sixers are hiring PR people and you you're good for the job. You you and I have right. been partnered on this show for a little more than a year. Yes. This is the most fired up. You well because have been because it just seems so obvious to me show. that I don't want the guy who owns my basketball team to own it two two rival teams in other leagues that want our city to fail. That's why. It just it's so basic to me. And I know a lot of people, and listen, Jay expressed his point very well, okay? Mm-hmm. And he brought it to me, and it was good. I appreciate that. But it, it, so many people say to me, like, he's a billionaire. Where do you care where he spends his money? I care, okay? okay? Yeah. I care. Yeah. Buy something else. You can't own the Washington uh, the Commanders. Web. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> Still, you're right. That's not <laughs> rolled off the tongue. No, they got to change the name I get again. worked up. You cannot own that and own my – I'm pounding the table <laughs> And and own my Sixers, you just can't do it. I mean, doesn't that seem obvious? Hold on, let me go to Ben Kenny. Ben, okay. Ben Smart. Ben, does this offend you as it offends me? It offends me, not to the extent to which it offends you. Uh, Ben's trying to find. I, I don't breath. like it, but I've also been drawn so far away from the Sixers that everything they do and everything that goes Ooh. on around them, wow. I just pure apathy. All right, Ben. Ben's taking a whole different tack on this. All right, Ben. That's good stuff. I, I see where uh, you're coming from. Right, I'm just not uh, there. I want to I want to uh, hit the break so we can get to Kevin Stocker ASAP. 215-592-9494. A wrong-headed Mike Sealski <laughs> and a, a just- 
playing a little devil's advocate. Morally with you. correct, Glenn Mack now on 94 <laughs> WIP. It's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors before another long, cold winter season rolls in. And the great people at Guide a Door and Window will help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off, and you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. You need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, then you will save 50% on half of your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply for full details. Call Guide today. Schedule free. No obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. <laughs> <laughs> well, in a week where everything pretty much went right for the Phillies, that was that was an interesting moment when uh, Angel Hernandez throws out Bryce Harper on a clearly a check swing. Kevin Stocker is one of the two voices you heard in that conversation. He's done a terrific job uh, over the last couple of years as Philly's color announcer, along with Scott Fransky. You can follow him on Twitter at Kevin19Stocker. Nice enough to join us. How are you today, Kevin? Good, guys. How are you? Good. Doing great, Kevin. We may, we may work our way back to that, but I want to start with uh, Mike and I talked earlier that we're scoreboard watching, which is so much fun, yeah. and we're anticipating and who are they going to play and so on. So if it boils down to what appears to be Arizona and the Marlins, does Kevin Stocker think there's an advantage for the Phillies in either of those matchups? I don't know if there's an advantage. I would tell you that I would not want to play the Marlins. Okay. I, just, I just had, yeah, we just had this conversation in the booth the other day. It was me and Murph, I think, we were talking about it. And he's, he's on the other fence with me. But for whatever reason, the Marlins, even though they're gassed, you know, they got the whole mess with the rain out here in New York, there's just something about the Marlins. They are, in my opinion, they, they are just not intimidated by the Phillies. Because they've played him so much, they've had success against them. Whether they're healthy or not, they come in against the Phillies with a little bit of a swagger, and it just makes me a little bit. It makes me a little nervous with those guys versus Arizona, who they're still pretty young. Arizona, they got a couple of big guns that are pitching, but they've had to pitch yesterday and today. Yeah. So, yeah, it's one of those things for me. I mean, just again, we're we're off the top of my head. The Marlins, the Marlins are the team that I just. I don't think that's so. Phillies. If I if I may, yeah. I may just follow up. By the way, the Marlins won yep. the season matchup six to five, uh, six games to go. five. So um, Mike and I were talking about what advantage, what a huge advantage this ballpark can be. And I'm inferring from you that it that won't mean as much for the Marlins because they've been here a lot. I'm not referring to the ballpark. I'm referring more to, um, and that's a really good. That's a fair question because the Marlins, I think, are they got some power in there, but. It, it just, I don't know if it's the ballpark or the guys, you know, the Phillies have their own swagger, hit a ton of home runs. But, you know, they've got the Philly fans, that part, I guess what you're referring to. Yeah, I just don't think the Marlins care about that in their head. You know what I mean? Whereas other teams, clearly it affects them. Um, like Arizona comes in, I think the fans are going to play a huge role. Not as, I'm not saying they're not going to be effective against the Marlins. I just think for whatever reason, they're a little tougher mentally because they've been there before against the Phillies. So, Kev, obviously so. in your first year in the major leagues, you – were involved in the playoffs in 93. Yeah. I'm curious your perspective on how having the wild card and the fact that a team could get bounced so quickly out of the postseason affects a player when he's entering the playoffs. Like, does it make your mindset different knowing, hey, we could be out of here in two days compared to in 93 when 
it's a best of seven right out of the shoot. Hundred percent different. Oh yeah, that's a great question. By the way, it's you know I, I remember the '93 team um, going through the race at the end. You know, in, in this month because the Expos were coming, so it was all about that. Once we got into the playoffs, of course, stats and all that don't matter at all, like with stats. But you knew that if you had a blow up game or you went out there and you laid one down, that was just awful. All right, you're like okay, you didn't have any sort of panic. Whereas now with the wild card, it's all on hand, hands on deck all the time. I mean, everybody down in that bullpen, everybody on the bench has to have their cleats on because the, the hooks from, the, from your manager, I mean, it, it could be quick. It could be coming at any time because you just know you don't have as many games, at least for the first two series, right, until you get into the seven game. Um, but from a player's point of view, there's a little bit more um, – I think you feel it a little bit more for sure. Um, I will be honest with you guys, and don't hold this against me, I didn't get back to the darn playoffs again. I know. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I'm sure you I thought after that first year, I'll be here all the time. <laughs> I know. That's exactly what I thought. So I played on a lot of really bad teams that uh, didn't get into the wild card uh, scenario. We, we, we were there. Yeah. We know. We saw. I know. Yeah. Uh, not enough. your fault. Um, okay. So I want to follow up on, on a question involving the psyche of, of the team okay. as a guy who has been there. Last year, the Phillies got there. It was kind of a surprise. It was not a lot of pressure. They just hit this amazing hot streak, and everybody went crazy. It was great. This year, it's their second time. It's different. There are expectations. They go in certainly the first round is the favorite, not the second, but the first round. Um, just do you th- – I don't even know how I want to ask the question. What, what difference might that create, if any? Or am I just looking at something that's not there? Um, I guess in last year's gig when they went through – do I, is it okay to say that it was a, you know, it was a bit of a surprise there at the end? Yeah, oh, yeah. Pulled out. Oh, sure. And so then it just became, let's just win another. Let's see if we can win another, like a momentum game sort of thing. Um, to your question, now they have time to think about it and prepare. Is it different? I do. I think it's different because you're riding such a high last year. You just rode that high as long as you could, and it took them all the way, or at least almost all the way. This year I think it's a little bit different, although uh, in the sense of they have a little bit more time to prepare the difference for these guys will be over the next couple of days. Today, unfortunately, is the doubleheader, and tomorrow, mentally, they're going to have to kind of ramp themselves back up a little bit, whereas last year they never actually went down. This year they clinched. They have the party day. Everybody's sitting with no cleats on. I mean, they're, <laughs> you know, I totally get it, which is great in itself. That, that in itself was, I think, some of those guys needed some days off, but that's really good for them. But now mentally the challenge will be just to make sure that they ramp themselves up for the first wild card game. And these guys should not have a problem, especially with the guys in the clubhouse. So that that would be the only difference that I could see. We're talking to Kevin Stocker, radio analyst for the Philadelphia Phillies. And, Kevin, you've been around the team, obviously, enti- the entire season. You've seen the ups and downs, the ins and outs of the pitching staff, Aaron Nola being a bit inconsistent though he has playoff experience and pitched very well in the wild card and divisional rounds last season. We know what Zach Wheeler can do. There's been some changes and, again, a bit of a roller coaster with the bullpen. What, from a pitching standpoint, gives you optimism about where the Phillies are at? And is there anything about their situation where you go, oh, if they can avoid that situation, that would be beneficial to them? Well, the optimism, let's get to that. The first thing was coming out of spring. Uh, I mean, without a doubt, at least we as broadcasters, we're looking at this pitching staff with with the starters being a group that we thought would be really consistent. 
And then we had this really strong bullpen with four guys in the back end that anybody could close. That was the idea, right? Mm -hmm. So um, then there was a whole bunch of injuries in there, which always happens. I think the optimism now is that the team's rolling into the wild card and everybody's healthy. And so that hasn't, that hasn't been the case all season. So um, to be able to have Alvarado back there and throwing strikes again, which the beginning of the month, we weren't sure yet. Right. But he's back. Looks like he's throwing strikes and aggressive. Everybody's healthy. Um, so that's the first key. That's the only way you're going to win uh, in October is if everybody's healthy. It just doesn't work if you're missing certain guys. So that's, I'm optimistic about that. Wheeler's throwing great. I think Aaron is fine. I, I know there's been a lot of questions. He's been very inconsistent. There's, there's no doubt about that. Um, so you, what we hope with him is that his experience will come through. If it was me, I'd take the experience any day of the week when it comes to the atmosphere that you get in October. So, um, so yeah, the fact that everybody's healthy in the back end of that pen is really it makes me very optimistic, and I think Rob, especially in the wild card game, will not waste any time getting into the pen. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. So yeah. if if Aaron goes second day, um, which he which the word is he is, if he gets into some trouble, whatever, I don't think Rob will waste any time going to get those guys out of there because he's got so many good arms out of the pen. As long as he doesn't pull Wheeler as early as he did last year, that one's still yeah. Hurts. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you about Johan Rojas, who's whose defense has been stunningly great. Love that guy. Uh, yeah, yeah, and 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 he's been hitting the ball. Um, and Thompson has been doing platooning there some season. When the playoffs roll around, do you anticipate to see Harper at first every day, Rojas in center every day, uh, and then I guess Marsh in left field, depending what you know. I mean, right field. Excuse me. How do you? Yeah. What do you? What do you anticipate? Left field. What do you anticipate as the as the uh, lineup? A lot of this. Yeah, it's a great question. A lot of this depends on Harp and how his body is. We know that, right? So. Um, I think Bryce, if he's healthy and can play first base, I think Rojas will be in center, if not all, majority of the games for sure. I, I do think because October is so darn long, you asked me earlier about the wild card stuff. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on and on. I don't know that it's wise <laughs> to have Kyle not play any left field because mm. at some point he might need to be out there, right? Um, but I definitely think for me watching this team, the lineup that I like is Johan in center and Marsh in left. Kyle D.H. and then Bryce over at first base. Yep, me too. Yep, yep. And I, and I don't think it's any secret, but I do the other thing, though, and I've tried really hard. I ask Thompson questions all the time because, you know, it's really important as a player. This is why I like Jim Fregosi back in the day. He was super predictable. And Rob is like that as well. I'm still kind of trying to figure out. He does this pocket baseball, right? So he looks over at the other lineup and he's like, all right, these guys have these pockets of three or four, and how might they – how might these pitchers face Kyle or, you know, how is he, so he's really into that. And sometimes, sometimes it confuses me a little on, okay, why is he doing that with Kyle? He doesn't like to take him out too early in games because now you go into the 10th, 11th inning, nothing goes past the 12th inning. So he wants him to keep that bad in there. So it creates some issues that way, but I, sorry, but I got off track, but to get into your, I do like Johan and center for majority of the games for sure. Yeah. Kev, you mentioned 1993 and, I was a senior in high school, and that was the summer after I graduated from high school. I remember that team very well. I remember you making your debut against the Dodgers and making a really strong play in the field to, to throw a guy out at the plate to keep a game going and allow the Phillies to win. How often do you think about that season? And oh, does being around this team cause you to think about that season a lot? Of course it does. Oh, yeah just because of the atmosphere and and there are some guys, some similarities for sure with this team. Um, I think about that 93 team all the time. I really do. And I still, I I still take great, great uh, pride in the, in the 
what we did. So I wear my ring once in a while just because it's, you know, it's close to my heart with mm-hmm. that team. We all stay in close contact all the time. And doggone it, I can't get away from Larry Anderson. He's still around. <laughs> so as, as is Crucky. Crucky's around, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. But, uh, but at the same time, that it kind of goes to show how close we were. And I was young. In fact, I was only five years older than you were when you were a senior in high school. So it wasn't like we were, you know, I was young. But I, I, I think about it all the time. Now, with this team, guys like Kyle Schwarber uh, would have fit right in with that 93 team. You know, nothing really bothered him. You know, he just kind of did his thing. Um, he didn't change course based on reactions from us or, or press or fans. He just, you know, he's a leader that way. A lot of guys are like that on this team. JT is the same way. So there are some similarities. I don't see anybody on this team sleeping in the clubhouse. Thank goodness. Um, <laughs> don't see any of that. <laughs> but, yeah, very similar. And they play the game really hard. This team plays the game really hard. Um, and that's how we played in 93. Yep, yep. and it's a very likable team. It really, a team that really, yeah, the fans good. really identify with. All right, last one for me. There's a guy on this roster who has thrown exactly two major league innings uh, and has four strikeouts <laughs> and is basically not not allowed much, and he's kind of this late sensation, this mystery. The sword of Orion. Do you see any role? <laughs> I love that. Do you think Orion Kirkering is going to make the postseason roster? Do you see any role? I think he's going to make it, man. I do. I, I think that, uh, and it's a lot to ask for a kid who started an A ball at the beginning of the year. <laughs> but oh, yeah. I, I, I think with Sir Anthony, who has been very inconsistent in the back, and I think they need another right, another right, uh, right arm down there in the pen. In his short uh, audition, I guess I would say yes. I think there's a role for him on this team. The big question is not so much the arm as much as mentally can he handle it. And I, I've only, he's only been up here for a week. I've only met him once. So that part remains to be seen. So that will be a big um, – how to use him will be the big question for Rob and what situations can you use him. Um, but, yeah, I, I think he's been electric. His slider is the real deal. He throws a ton of sliders, so that's something uh, different out of the pen to show the other team. So I, I think there's a place for him. I do. Kevin, last one from me. You mentioned the predictability of a manager, that you like that in Jim Fergozzi and you tend to like it in Rob Thompson. The playoffs can put that predictability at, at risk sometimes where yeah. a manager is forced to make decisions that he might not make during the regular season. Uh, how do you think that – what kind of effect can that have on a team and is it just a, a fact of life when you get to October? Uh, it's a little bit of a fact of life, and I and I I think that's fair to say that. I think the guys prepare. I think Thompson's a a good commuter and, and would tell guys that. For example, like a Christopher Sanchez, who everybody he's pitched great. I think he'll literally just lay it down and say, "Look, this is this is my idea with you, and this is what we'll do." And then Rob would stick with that for the most part. Um, I, so, yeah, I think I think there's the guys know that it's going to be all ha- all hands on deck, a little bit different. What the predictability part would be, you know, he's not, I, I don't think Rob's going to be the guy that's going to be like, okay, now we're going to start throwing hit and runs in. Mm-hmm. Now we're going to ask uh, Trey Turner to bunt or something like that. That's the kind of stuff that I've seen over the years in playoffs where, especially back when there was the DH issue, right? American League National, you saw a lot of all of a sudden teams would get to the playoffs and managers would ask their guys to do things they've never done. It, it has always, you know, it just drives me nuts. All of a sudden this guy's going to try to bunt or he's going to try to double steal. I don't see Rob doing that. I think more than anything, it's it's he, he's going to be really upfront. Guys are going to know when they're playing, when they're not playing. Pitchers will know when they're coming in. Um, I don't think that's going to be a huge change for Rob. He's going to be kind of the same that way, um, other than maybe having a quicker hook when it comes to the pen, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. 
Uh, Kevin Stalker, listen, it's a pleasure uh, talking with you. Are you doing? Are you working today? I'm look. Uh, yeah, I'm working today. I'm looking out my window. It's still raining, and I have to say, it, the amount of rain yesterday, my heart goes out to a lot of people down in like Brooklyn and some of these areas. It was crazy the it amount was. of rain. So nuts. It was, it was just nuts. So yeah, hopefully the, everybody's the flooding okay around there. New York is is insane. Yeah. 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 So, but uh, yeah, it's going to be an interesting wild card the next two days for the Marlins and, and Arizona. So keep an eye on that how those games go. So, Absolutely. But. We'll be working. We'll look, be there tonight. Look forward to listening to you. Look forward to talking again. Thanks so much for joining us. Thanks, guys. Okay. Uh, Thanks, Kev. Yeah, there you go. Good stuff. That was really good stuff. Yeah, I, I like him. I, I, like I him. do, too, and I didn't realize he was – I had forgotten how young he was when he came up in 93. Uh, in fact, yeah. he was only – he's only five years older than me. He was a pop. Yeah, sobering. <laughs> you know, it is funny what he said. He got into the playoffs, got into the World Series as a rookie. And I've heard this. I've talked. I forget who it was football guys about this, right? Like Dan, the Dan Marino thing, right? He gets right. to the Super Bowl his second year, and you figure he's going to be back I'll, I'll a million be back. times. Yeah. I'll be back. We'll always be back. And then it's like, not. You can't bet on that. Nope. All right, let's work in a few calls here. Dustin in the Northeast. Dustin, <laughs> I think you want to talk about Josh Harris. Take all the time you need. Dude, first of all, good morning, everybody. Good morning. The good morning, guy Dustin. You're just talking to. Dude. I thought he was Ben Davis for a second. Ben Davis. Uh, it's Kevin Stocker, it, my friend. That was that was a great interview. Thank so. you. That, He's thank good. You. That, that was good. That, that was, was good. good. Listen, I had to call up because I, I've been complaining about it all week, about this stupid Josh Harris. Dude. The Sixers will never be good until they get rid of that loser. But listen, you had a caller. I, I really want to talk Eagles, but your caller a couple callers ago that was defending him. Yep. Dude, the reason we're mad is because he goes into Washington with that crap organization and that horrible team. And he's giving them everything in the world. And then he has the cojones to have big baby Joel Embiid sitting in the press box smiling. Bothered me. That's like, that's the ultimate slap in the face. We like our Sixers. We love our friggin' Eagles, dude. Yep. You can't do something N- like not, that. Not to be devil's advocate here, but when Guy's Josh Harris bought the Sixers, they were still practicing at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. He built them... Their headquarters in Camden. Like, he's he did Hold the same on. thing with the Sixers that he's kind of doing with no, Washington. No, no, no. Rob, you know I love you, brother. We're My name's Mike. They're Mike. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm sorry, Mike. He loves I'm you, sorry, Mike. I, dude. That's all right, Craig. Don't worry about it. <laughs> That's all right. Just don't call me late for dinner. That's, That's all, all right. Matters, all right? Listen, what he did with that city and what he's giving that fans 50% off concessions, He's bringing the prices. Dude, we went through a process where we saw 10 wins in a season, and all you did was up their ticket sales. For one year, you gave us cheap tickets, and for the rest of the time, you've done nothing but went up with them, and we didn't get the product that we deserved. Correct. That, that's a good you point. That is a good point. The second round. It's, it's, a, a, it's a brilliant point. Uh, I want you to make your Eagles point quickly because i gotta, I got to take a break. Real quick, Yeah, they're going to win, no problem. I want all the fans to have signs that say, sell the team, you bum. There no you, one wants you to own the Sixers. That's, Go Birds! There, there was the call of the year. Very Who good call by Dustin. Man? <laughs> and that's from what movie? Half baked. Yeah, great stuff. All right, we'll get some calls in coming up. We're gonna. T- I'm gonna tell you a TV show you really ought to be watching, and we'll get your calls into it. Two one five five nine two. 94-94. With Mike Sealski, sometimes known as Rob, I'm Glenn Mack. <laughs> Rob Ellis and I get confused for each other all the time. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, I can I can see Facially, it. Facially, voice-wise. I can see it. I can he, see we're it. each other's doppelganger. Uh, 
which, which one of you regards that as, as like a, an Oh, insult? I have no problem getting mistaken for Rob. Okay, good. Yeah, no worries at all. There you go. Uh, Mike Silski, Glenn Mack, now 94 WIP. All right, what we're watching, sponsored by Guide a Door and Window, buy a window or door and get the second and half off. With 18 months interest-free financing, call Guide a Door and Window at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. All right, Mike, I got to explain a show to you that is that defies explanation, and I feel going in, I'm not going to do it service. You took a big sigh before you started yeah. there that suggests you're going to struggle with this a little, but I have faith yeah. that you will be able to draw people into this. Program. I really like the show on HBO called How To with John Wilson. That's okay. It's the most mundane title you could ever give a show. He's a nerdy guy with a very dry sense of humor who travels around New York with a camera. And the episodes are generally around a half an hour. And it begins with like a small nub of a presence of of a premise, excuse me, usually about like the indignity of city life. Okay, how to find public bathrooms, Mm -hmm. Uh, how to clean your ears, which is really about living in an extremely loud place like New York. A lot of it is identifiable stuff. Last year, he dedicated an episode to the most boring ep- subject imaginable, which is why is there so much scaffolding around the city <laughs> wherever you go? Uh, and why is temporary scaffolding seem permanent? And he produced, to me, what was like the funniest show of the year. And again, it, how do I define it? It's kind of it's kind of a documentary comedy that uses tools of journalism. He, he interviews real people. Okay. It's it's like a cousin of of uh, Borat. Oh sure, but less sarcastic. Okay, it's it 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 doesn't have a pranky edge to it. It's kind of it's kind of nice. It's kind of mm-hmm. sweet at times. And um, again, he starts with something like how to cook the perfect risotto. Okay, and then it just digresses into these odd ruminations and observations, all anchored in New York City street life. Um, and the oddities of living in the city. And he, he has this amazing collection of images. He and his camera crews just have this astounding video library of mundane and weird mm-hmm. city sites. A man dancing atop a moving subway. Squirrels sleeping and lying on a fence. The the beautiful and the crazy and the ugly. Um, in In this current season, I think it's in season three now, he encounters... A septic business owner in Texas who's building a home in an abandoned missile silo. <laughs> oh my gosh! A New Jersey man who torments his neighbors by firing off this eardrum-shattering cannon. Uh, competitors at a 9/11-themed bodybuilding show. It, it sounds like you're playing Mad Libs. It does, <laughs> and and a cat show at which he encounters a woman who writes mystery books about cats with the cats as the heroes. <laughs> Um, just give it a try. I hope I sold it well because it's really how to with John Wilson on HBO. Commit yourself to two or three episodes, and then if you don't like it, quit it. But I'm telling you, I think you'll like it. It, it sounds like I would be very interested in this show, and I'm going to draw what might seem like a an analogy or a connection that doesn't work, but I think it does. Did you see the movie with Adam Sandler, Uncut Gems? 
Yeah. Where he plays the diamond broker and it's Kevin yeah, Garnett. It. Okay, you I, didn't like it. Oh, God, it was so depressing. Okay. But, I went to see it on Christmas Day. Oh, gosh. Well, yeah. <laughs> that was probably a mistake. It's, it's a very dark movie, but the reason I bring it up is what struck me about it was walking around. Whenever you walk around New York City, you see all this stuff happening. Yeah. And you are not aware of or don't take the time to think about what is going on in this city or yeah. even really any city. Uh, that just seems normal. You're walking past jewelers, jeweler stores, and here's what's really happening in some of these stores. And this show strikes me the very same way. Like, here's the scaffolding. Like, that's the one that would hook me. That's like, great. I'm telling you, it's a great episode. You so know, watch that one first. You can go back. They're all you right. know on demand. You can get them all over the years. That right. one, that one, really sticks with me because. I never really thought it's kind of what you're saying. I never really think about scaffolding, but like wherever it's Philadelphia, it's the same thing. You right. walk around, it's like, why is there scaffolding? Why is this here? Why is it permanent? And he explains why it'll never go away, which is actually didn't think about that. It's, okay, it's, it's it's good. He's funny. There's amazing images, Some, and the episodes are only about a half hour. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah, Great. You can watch a few. Yeah. It okay. sounds good. All right. How to with John Wilson? I've given you good advice before. I've turned you people on to a lot of great shows over the years. This one's a little different. It's a little odd. Please give it a shot. So I That's already my... have one for next week. Which, oh, you do? So tonight, to celebrate our 16th wedding anniversary, my oh, wife and I are going. Thank you. My wife, Kate, and I are going out to dinner, and then we are going to see a movie. We, we are struggling to remember the last time that just the two of us went to see a movie together. Yeah. So we are going to see Dumb Money. This oh, new comedy yeah, so that the, is the ads. Yes, with Paul Dano and Pete Davidson that's out about the GameStop uh stock splurge episode. A yeah, of that years was ago. that was something. So I will report back next week with a review of that. I love I saw the commercial. How much did you lose yesterday? A billion. Yeah. <laughs> how much did you lose the day before? A, a billion. billion. <laughs> well, good. Let me know how that is. That's funny. They made a movie out of it. They that. did. That's they something. did. And and it like I said, it has a decent cast. Seth Rogen, I think, is in it. So yeah. I'm hopeful that it's funny. All right. Let's get uh Greg down in Florida. What's the weather like in Florida? Where are you down in Florida, Greg? Aventura. The last time I called you was when I got emotional with Jonesy being signed. Oh, <laughs> yes. Remember? I do remember yeah. that call, Greg. Hey, Thanks. That? that was funny. Listen, you want to hear emotion? Josh Harris. Okay, number one, I never liked him because he wanted the team to stink, which I don't yep. buy into. I didn't country. either. I'm with you. Okay. Then, and I don't like, look at his eyes, Glenn. You know me. I was in sales. I don't like Weasley people. He's Weasley. Yeah. Then he goes the Weasel. You know what a Flyer fan I am. And he buys the Devils. Yep. So that that at that point, like that, there was kind of no coming back from that. And 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 now this. Now I lived in Baltimore for ten years, and you know, I have friends down there. I was an original Ravens ticket holder. I mean, those people they hate Washington. I hated Washington when I was a sales rep down there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can't stand that place. I can't stand that man. He should sell the team. And another thing. I sold about 70% of the Metro Club condo in 2004 and 2005. It's an Ethan race. I worked on that project, before, you know, when it was mm-hmm. the gutted hospital. Okay? That location where he wants to put that stadium is a joke. Okay? Now, you know what's cool? When I'm in the gym, all my friends know I'm in the league. All right. We got, all right I, I got to gotta run. You, you, I appreciate the call. It was a little scattershot. So I agree with about 30% of it. Yeah. Look, you cannot like Josh Harris. That's fine. I'm just going to. Yeah, I'm not going with the Weasley eyes part. Yeah. People look the way they look. They do. They do. And 
there Although are it more. is it is fun to make fun of the way he talks because it does seem he, so phony when he when he, he says d- he's not a good public speaker at all. He no. doesn't convey confidence when he's speaking on behalf of the Sixers or the Devils or the Commanders. Most importantly, I want to thank our fans. <laughs> yeah, he, he he sounded like he had had like a couple vodka and tonics before he started thanking the fans there. Uh, Mike uh, Inarly has, I guess, specifically wants to ask you a question. Oh, okay. Yeah. Hey, Mike, have you calmed down? About what? About the Eagles. I mean, this is my call last week trying to get you to just settle down. They'll be fine on offense. And, you know, turned out pretty good, don't you think? Yeah, look, I'm not suggesting that the Eagles aren't a good team. Uh All I was suggesting was that they had not played all that well uh, overall through the first game or two. And and yeah. by and what I mean by that Mike is as I said last week, they primarily want to build their offense around throwing the ball. And while they are happy that DeAndre Swift and the offensive line allows them to run the ball in the manner that they do, I know that they are looking at that and saying, "Okay, but we would much rather be winning games" because Jalen Hurts is throwing the ball to A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith and Dallas Scott. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, and as soon as the defense accepts that they're going to be running, we'll get some passing offense. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. All right. We lost lost Mike. All right. Uh, You know what? We can get Joe in here before the break. Okay. He's got a radical proposal, I think. Uh, What's your radical proposal, Joe? Uh, yeah, how you doing, Glenn, uh, Mike? Um, yeah, my, my thing for uh, for Aaron Nola pitching the uh, uh, game two of the wild card. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, it's like what Scott, Scott Fransky had said. You know, anything. I'm not saying you know we're going right to that Atlanta series. You know, anything can happen in in a wild card. Right now, the Marlins, uh, they're they're actually um, they're they're at the front with. With them winning, uh, holding what? up in that last Joe, what's your, what's your yeah, proposal you gotta, for you gotta, Nola? What do you want to do? Yeah, Nola, Nola I want to see how we do in game one. If we, if, if well, Wheeler's we were, game one. Right. Well, if that's what I'm saying. Wheeler wins game one yeah. or the Phillies win game one, I'm going with Sanchez in game two. You, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't do that, Joe. The, the, the pitchers themselves are going to need to know what their role is going into game two. You, you can't base who you – start for game two on the outcome of game one. I think what Joe wanted to say, Glenn, was that if the Phillies win game one against the Marlins or the Diamondbacks, yeah. then don't pitch Nola for game two because, uh, you know, you want to save them or something uh, like that. And I, I don't think you can do that. Yeah, just You don't, you don't bank standpoint. anything for the future in the right. playoffs. You play your guys when you need to win. Yeah. You, you you don't risk that. It's a three game series, man. You don't fool. Around. No, and you can't you can't do that to Nola or Sanchez uh-huh. or Ranger right. Suarez. That's true. That that's that's a very good point. As mine is also a brilliant point. So we beat him in brilliance two to nothing. Well, that was a rout. <laughs> Spike the ball in the end zone yeah. for it's our brilliance. Kind of looking like our stupid football bet right now. What's the score uh, on that, Ben Kenny? Oh What's God. the score on the stupid football bet right now? Three nothing. Four nothing. No, it's three nothing. He doesn't. He doesn't need artificial stat padding here, Ben. Okay, it's three nothing, and I will just remind Glenn and our audience that I got off to a fast start last year in the stupid football bet. Oh, it looked like I was going to cruise to victory, and Glenn's side rallied late. How about Dylan Covey this year? Britain. 
Britain Coven. Dylan Coven. Hey, yeah, Excuse I would me. not make that bet no. this year. No, not yeah. at all. How about Britain Coven? You, he was amazing last 52 game. 52 yards on one return. Where did this all come from? He's figured out the NFL, man. He's the new uh, Brian Mitchell. D- run straight. Yeah, Dante Hall from the Chiefs back ooh, in the day. Ooh, ooh. Devin Hester. Oh, those are the great ones. Yeah, there. he had he had Merrill calling in to John Johnson at three twenty after the Monday night game oh, on his wait, way right, home from on. the airport. Right, we're gonna be a little late to this break because I need to hear this. So Merrill's flying in. He's driving home. John's on the air. What did John say? They got Merrill going. Well, John just did his open. He had gone on at three, and he's going through all the things that happened in the game, which was, you know, great defense. Mm-hmm. They ran the ball well. Swift was awesome. And Merrill calls in midway through his opening monologue saying that he has to mention the play <laughs> of Britton Covey. Merrill's such a Britton Covey guy. I root for Britton Covey because Britton Covey is the only person in the Eagles locker room who is, in any regard, smaller than I am. So anything he does, I'm all about. You like to be able to look the guy eye to eye. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's It's – Tougher to have to talk to Landon Dickerson or Mylotta or Fletcher Cox. Merrill's you know? funny that way. Merrill gets his guys, and he loves <laughs> – and when he's got his guys, he, he loves his guys. Reno and, Mahe. Yeah, and Covey's been one of his guys, and now Covey's making Merrill look good, so good for him. 215-592-9494. Good time to call in. Uh, we're going to talk to E.J. Smith of the Inquirer at noon about the Eagles. You can call about whatever's on your mind today. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now. 94 WIP, it's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before another long, cold winter season rolls in. Great people at Guided Door and Window, they're going to help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. If you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house, well, you save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guida is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down and interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act Now offers for a limited time. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com. Well, it was an amazing moment last year. It was off of Spencer Strider, right? Yes, it oh, was. Oh, the Spencer Strider who wants no fans. I think no fans. Oh, he's got to be uh, kidding. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that. But So the question uh, arose again this week when we saw Reese Hoskins taking batting practice at Citizens Bank Park. He was crushing the ball. He was. He was. And so he's going to start facing some live pitching, and maybe he's going to go to Clearwater and get some work. And maybe, just maybe, if the Phillies make the World Series, <laughs> He'll be his bat will be available. Uh, Dr. Mark Pollard, our friend from Cooper Bone and Joint, is with us. How are you, Doc? Just fine, thanks. Hope you guys are doing well. Doing great, doing great. So um, there is so Reese Hoskins had uh, ACL surgery on March the thirtieth. The Phillies estimated he come come back in seven to nine months. Seven months would be October thirtieth. Well, that's still a month away. The first game of the World Series is scheduled for October 27th. Mm. Hello. So, Doc, if if you are the doctor who's kind of assigned to keep track of him, you know, now as he's recovering, what are you looking at? What are you looking for? Well, you know, the recovery is not just, you know, the new ACL graft healing into place and the biology of it. It's also the muscles turning on, the coordination coming back, almost relearning how to walk, run, you know, 
kid and, and that sort of thing. And so, you know, at, at this point, the most of the criteria that you're looking for to advance and potentially to return to activity are more based on, the, you know, strength, coordination, and activity. Um, and so I assume that's, you know, every day or every couple of days, I'm sure that between the trainers, the team physicians, and everything like that are evaluating him and, you know, checking on his progress. And so I think it's uh, certainly uh, uh, good news, um, uh, you know, inspiring a little bit of hope that he might uh, be able to return before the end of the playoffs, that uh, nobody is ruling it out. How high is the risk that he re- would re-injure himself, doctor? I mean, I guess that risk is always there, but if he comes back too soon, how much more likely is it that he reaggravates the injury, tears the ligament again? Yeah, it's it's difficult to quantify, uh, but certainly the risk isn't zero. Um, you know, ideally you get the muscle strength exactly the same as the other knee and the coordination exactly the same. You know, unfortunately, you know, the reality is that, you know, it's going to be maybe 80% is the cutoff or 85%. Um, and so, you know, the worry is if you don't have the strength, if you don't have the coordination, you can get yourself into a position, you know, the awkward position where you can stress the ACL. I mean, he tore the best ACL he's ever going to have, which is the one he was born with. And so you know, we as surgeons are trying our best to replicate that as, as best we can, but we know that we can't do it exactly like the one that was in there the first time. In your medical opinion, are the Phillies going to win the World Series? <laughs> uh, absolutely. There you go. See, this is this is what we count on this from Doctor Pollard. Doc, uh, thank you so much. Enjoy. Have a great day and uh, enjoy your weekend. All right. Thanks. You as well. All right, thank you, you Doctor. Yeah, see, I, I in his clinical opinion, yes, the Phillies are going to win the World Series. Um, uh, let me ask you a a, a football thing because you have a, an interesting column mm-hmm. which uh, I read on the website last night, the Inquirer website. It's going to be my paper today, tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. There you go. Uh, which basically uh, stems from a question that you asked Jalen Hurts in a news conference this yes. week. Question much longer than the answer. Darn right. Which is usually the way with Jalen. Okay, so let's let's play that. You know, you don't have to give a long answer to give a good answer. No, but that's so. So he did go on a little bit, a little extrapolated bit. a little bit. But what's he? What's he saying there? What's so this about? I think Hertz is a really fascinating case study in the NFL, and here's why: we spend so much time nowadays in evaluating quarterbacks, looking at them from from the perspective of. Can they play the position? What is their footwork like? What is their arm strength like? What are the stats they put up? There are cottage industries devoted to this, and it's understandable why. Game film is available very easily now. Scouts can look at it. Amateur scouts can look at it. People who just love football can look at it. And so everyone is focused on, can this guy do all the things that a quarterback's supposed to do? But there's another component to playing the position. It is beating a leader. It is inspiring your teammates. It's being the kind of guy who makes plays in big moments of games rather than piling up, maybe piling up stats that help you if you have 
this player on your fantasy team, but they're not helping his team win or lose the game. Mm -hmm. And it seems to me that Hurts himself, and when people look at him generally, place a much higher value on those intangible qualities than they do on the ins and outs of him playing the position. Not that he can not that he can't play the position. He's gotten much, much better. He's we've talked about his running strength and the tush push and all of that. But he very much seems to value the leadership component compared to anything else. And I think that's really interesting because it seems to cut against the way we look at the position now. It's really cut against a, a recent history. Right. Yeah, well think about the guy he replaced. Uh-huh. You know it's, and it's really the flip side of that. Right. And the thinking in the NFL in a lot of places, and I would count the Eagles among this, these places, is if you get a guy who can do all the things that the position requires nowadays, is he big, is he strong, can he throw, can he make all the plays, Super Bowls and victories will follow from that. Doesn't always work out that way. There are a lot of guys who are really athletic who have flamed out in the NFL. Mm-hmm. And the reason Jalen Hurts only went in the second round and that most people thought he was going to go much even late, later in that draft was because they didn't think he had the physical capabilities and traits to play the position at a high level. Nobody doubted his character or his intelligence. It was, can he actually do this? Well, he can, and now they have the the bonus of him being a guy the locker room respects. But I love the point of the the your, your argument and your story, or his argument, whatever, that he didn't care about stats. Right. And while all players will tell you they don't care about stats, they do. Yeah. I mean, I've seen baseball players looking at the box score, looking at other teams' box scores before games to see, am I still ahead of this guy in the batting race? Yep. Right? I mean, it happens. Quarterbacks, of course, they, you know, 300-yard games. That's what you want. Exactly. Right? It means a lot to players because it means a lot to their contract. Well, he's got the contract. But even before that, I think you're right. And I think his, his answer was great. It, it was. What made you feel this way? Losing. Losing. He hates losing. He does. And these are the sort of qualities that teams in a previous era of the NFL looked for more often and placed more value on, right? Like, you would talk about, because they quarterbacks called their own plays, and the game was even more violent then than it was, than it is now. You could hit the quarterback late, and you could, you know, hit him in the head and all of these things, so... The idea of him being tough and a leader really, really mattered in a way that I feel like some people both who follow the NFL and who are in the NFL don't think it matters as much now. Yeah, well, it was listen, it was a, it was a good column, and he always says the right thing. He you does. always feel he's thinking he the right way. He's sober. He's driven. He's a great teammate. He's a leader. He has been. Since he got here, I mean, it was a really tricky situation when the whole Wentz thing exploded, and he handled that well. And ever since then, he he's only ever handled himself really well. Yeah. Right? There's been not a single moment where you, you with him, where you, you just, you know, nothing. Never. No. And, and I thought no. that uh, the column you did with him and his answer to that and how that whole thing transpired really advances that. So, hey. Yeah. We're, we're, I think— you know, not that we're looking for something to be wrong with him, but there is an element where you cover him and watch him and say, "Okay, is he ever going to break from the way he seems to handle himself in every public situation?" Yeah. And so far, he hasn't. Not great copy. No, but that's all right. right. We can yeah, right. we can come up with some stuff on our own. <laughs> we'll make us it in up. the we in the media. Yeah, we'll find something. There. <laughs>
we're all, we're all rat poison to jail. In 215. Yeah, and, he, and I don't think he means it personally. Oh, no, no. I, I don't that, think he that does. doesn't no. dislike he you just per was se. Co- he was coached by Nick Saban to think that way. Yeah, well. 215-592-9494. We'll talk to E.J. Smith, Mike's colleague at the Inquirer, coming up. Mike Sealski, Glenn Mack now on 94 WIP. Hey, I had a uh, chance recently to catch up with uh, my friends from Meridian Bank. And um, also, uh, one of their... Business banking partners, great guy. And over the years, I've met a lot of business owners who Meridian works with. Every single time, I've just been blown away at how highly these people speak of Meridian Bank and the relationship they've fostered. I know because I've got that relationship with Meridian. I know their team of people. It's no surprise. They are the preferred bank of businesses and entrepreneurs. Meridian itself, it's entrepreneurial, so they know how to listen to great ideas, and they know how to understand innovative thinking. You should learn how Meridian Bank can help your business succeed at meridianbanker.com. 94 WIP, Mike Sealski and Glenn Macnow with you for one more hour. And then, Ben, we have Go Birds Radio coming up then at 1. Eat. We got Elliot. And yes, we'll... Elliot and James. James. A, a quickie for them because uh, we got Phillies baseball. baseball. What time's the first pitch? Four today? o'clock. Four o'clock. So they'll have leading off at three o'clock as well. Mike Sealski, I know you're going out tonight. I'm going home and just stretching out in the Barco Lounge and watching meaningless Phillies games. Yeah, a couple of different ways to spend a Saturday night there. And we're going to spend the next couple of minutes talking to my friend and colleague at the Philadelphia Inquirer, one of our terrific beat reporters, E.J. Smith. E.J., how are you this morning? I'm doing well, guys. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. You got having me on. You got it. So, you have spent probably as much time as anybody in the Philadelphia media market getting to know Jalen Carter and the people around him. And I am curious your thoughts about the start he's gotten off to and the questions that surrounded him when he joined the Eagles out of the draft. Are you surprised by how good he's been through three games? And what do you project for him as the season and his career goes along? Yeah, I mean, I thought that he might reach this level of play at some point in his career, you know, maybe even in the first year. But to see him do this right off the bat has been surprising. I I mean, I have to admit, you you do research on defensive tackles in their rookie seasons and the list of, uh, you know, guys who make an impact right off of the bat. I mean, it's, it's Aaron Donald and, you know, that's pretty much it. Uh, you know, the, the, it, there's, it's, a, it's just a hard position to transition to the league. You know, you go from uh, playing against, you know, young 20-something, uh, you know, you might play one or two NFL players in, in a season and all of a sudden you're playing against grown men every week. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not an easy transition. And to, to see him um, make that transition so, so easily – and be dominant this early, it's definitely a surprise. Again, I think, you know, when you watch his, when you watched him in college, you knew that he had a great ceiling. You knew that he could be the type of uh, impact player or a game wrecker uh, at some point. But, yeah, again, this early, it definitely is a, a bit of a surprise. E.J. Smith of the Inquirer is our guest. So alongside him, Jordan Davis in his second year is really, uh, you know, having so, so much better than he was last year. Is this – to your way of thinking, the experience of a guy who understands now how it's different, is this that he's physically feeling better? Is it the people around him? What's the primary reason he's so much better? Yeah, you know, it's funny I asked him about that uh, after the, the Bucks game. And he, I was expecting him to say, like, you know, he's in better shape or, you know, the, the speed of the game finally feels more comfortable for him. But I think it's mostly mental with him. You know, when he said that it was because of the people around him, you know, he – 
he immediately pointed to the, his, you know, the swath of Georgia teammates that he has uh, and the comfortability that that affords him. I think, you know, maybe it was a little bit out of his comfort zone last year and, you know, the transition of it all. But it did it did stand out to me that the thing that he points to is his level of comfort. You know, I mean, if you look at him, he looks a little, he looks different than he did last year physically. Um, you know, he's getting off the ball a little bit faster. And, you know, I think that he always had that type of upside, you know, just to, to be able to get off the ball that quickly and then use his power to kind of defeat blockers. You know, it, he always had that, but you know, last year, I think it maybe he was a little bit more tentative and a little less confident in himself. So, um, you know, I think that you, you sometimes can overstate comfort level for an athlete. You sometimes can overstate, you know, that, that side of the game. But I think for him that there is a case to be made that, you know, just having another year in the building and then, again, having more familiar faces around him, you know, maybe that was the difference for him. Maybe that is what kind of instilled some confidence in him. Because, I mean, again, you, you saw him coming out of the draft, you know, a massive – human being that can move the way that he can. It's rare. So, you know, I didn't necessarily expect to see him affect the passer as much as he has uh, in the early going this season. You know, I figured he'd be great against the run. He was pretty good against the run last year. But, I mean, yeah, that that duo, you know, it's like they picked up right where they left off in college. You know, those guys really mm-hmm. complement yeah. each other well. Love it. The way that they, Love it. Yep. Yeah, yeah the, <laughs> the way that they, like, you know, can play off of one another. And, you know, you really have seen it with the Eagles so far. So – the Commanders have given up 19 quarterback sacks through their first three games this season. And Sam Howell, their quarterback, has thrown five interceptions. We've been talking about Jalen Carter. We've been talking about Jordan Davis. We haven't mentioned the rest of the Eagles' pass rushers and defensive line. What do you expect tomorrow from this defense against the Washington offense? I expect more of the same, honestly. I think that you know, Washington's one of these teams that they've got position groups that look really good on paper. And then they've got a few others like their offensive line where things are a little bit less solid. So, you know, I think that you, I think the edge rusher group is going to you know, start to have more of an impact at some point. Um, you know, Hassan Reddick talked this week about how there's been more attention paid to the edge guys. You know, there's been more chips and, you know, help for the offensive tackles. And I think, you know, the more and more that Jalen Carter and Jordan Davis, Fletcher Cox, all those guys on the interior the more that they impact the game, I think that the edge guys are going to start to, you know, get freed up a little bit more. But, yeah, I mean, I think that with Sam Howell, like, that's kind of what you would expect to see the Eagles prioritize, is, you know, trying to get pressure on him. I think anytime you play a young quarterback, that's kind of the game plan. And for the Eagles defense, this is going to be the formula all year. You know, the way that they're built is to get pressure on the quarterback and hope things hold up on the back end, you know, and it's worked for them uh, for most of the first three games. And I think that's going to be more of the same against Washington. All right, E.J. Smith, I need to bring up the silliest issue of the week. <laughs> you know what I'm going to ask you about, right? I do. Okay. <laughs> it's it's become this huge issue around football with people who are, you know, I, I really respect uh, around this league, Peter King, Dick Vermeil, Jack Del Rio. I don't respect Jack Del Rio, but the <laughs> other guys I respect. <laughs> Uh, saying it's not a football play. It's got to be banned. Ike Reese was the other Ike, guy I respect. I respect Ike a lot. Um, so within the Eagles locker room, when they see all this, are they bemused? I mean, what's their reaction to it? Well, I think most of them try to, you know, uh, take the high road and, you know, plead the fifth on a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I do think it's noteworthy that Jordan Mailata does not think it's a rugby play. <laughs> and I think he would be he would more of an expert on that. Yeah. <laughs> than anybody, uh, anyone else. I think that, yeah, I think they try to mostly stay out of it, but I mean, listen, they also point out, and this is just the truth that 
they're the only team that runs it this well. You know, other teams try it and it doesn't go well for them. So, you know, my, you know, Mike wrote about it this week. He did a good job with, you know, a satirical angle there. Like, or at least I thought it was satire. It was definitely satire, EJ. With with Mike, it is occasionally tough to tell. Yes. (laughs) But, yeah, I mean, it's like they're the only team in the league that runs it this effectively. Uh, And it's not really good, you know, good business for the NFL to try and outlaw plays that, you know, teams have advantages with. It's not this widespread thing. And I really don't get, like, it's, is, it, is it because it's ugly to look at? I, I don't really understand many of the arguments uh, against it other than, you know, the Eagles are really good at it and people, you know, may, maybe they're tired of watching it. But, it, you know, it's, it's a major part of what the offense does. I mean, you know, they, I think that it changes the way that the Eagles can call plays. It changes the way that they can approach, you know, third and short, fourth and short situations. Um, so, you know, is it an advantage for the Eagles? Certainly. But is it something that's unfair or, you know, bad for the game? I really, I really don't see, like, I haven't seen a good argument against, uh, against that so far. We're, we're talking to EJ Smith, my friend and colleague, covers the Eagles for the Philadelphia Inquirer. EJ, what do you make of how Jalen Hurts has played so far? And is there anything to the idea that he will, of course, improve over the course of the season because – the Eagles run the ball so well that teams will eventually gear up to stop DeAndre Swift and Kenny Gainwell and the rest of their running backs. Yeah, I mean, he certainly hasn't played to the level that he played last year, and I think that there's a lot that goes into that. I think the biggest part of it is that defenses have kind of, I don't want to say caught up, but they've changed the way that they've played him. You know, And again, they've played some really good defensive coaches, which is part of this, but um, you know, he doesn't look as settled back there. He doesn't look as comfortable against the looks he's getting right now. And, you know, that's part of the evolution that you get with young quarterbacks who are as effective as Jalen Hurts. We've seen Joe Burrow go through it. We've seen Patrick Mahomes go through it. Uh, we've even seen Josh Allen go through it in some de- to some degree, I think. Um, you know, that, again, it's part of – it's kind of almost like a cycle. You know, it's like defenses start to find out what works against you, and then, you know, it's, all, it's up to the quarterback to figure out, you know, how to uh, combat that, and then it starts all over again. So I think that's, that's part of it. I think that he seems a little more apprehensive uh, you know, I feel like in this first couple of years, he was always really good at avoiding contact, but also, you know, being effective as a runner. And I think that we haven't seen as much of that from him this year, whether that's because he's trying to protect himself a little bit more after the contract or, you know, whether it's just, you know, the way that the games have gone for him. I think that that's something to keep an eye out. You know, in the red zone offense is like the thing that, you know, they're going to have to figure that out. You know, against yeah. good, against really good offenses, you can't settle for three points in the red zone. They went one for five against the Bucks. One of those was, you know, the end of the game. So really it was one for four. But, uh, you know, we don't see him running. You know, him running the ball down there has been such a major part of the offense uh, for the last few years, and it's been why they've been so good in the red zone. So, you know, there's some things he has to figure out. You know, I, I, I don't think that there's, um, you know, cause for, you know, alarm bells or anything like that. You know, it's, it's the type of thing you, you, you figure that they will have time to sort these things out over the course of a season. But, yeah, I mean, it, it does feel a little bit like he's somewhere between that 2022 MVP runner-up and, you know, the year prior where they really did have to, like, lean on the running game and kind of, you know, insulate him a little bit more. So, you know, again, is it something that they'll be able to figure out over the long run? I wouldn't bet against him. I think he has, you know, a track record from last year to, to make you confident that he'll figure it out. But, yeah, I mean – it's definitely been it's been a different Jalen Hurts uh, so far this season. EJ, yeah, it's a long season. I'm I'm pretty confident he'll be back. EJ Smith is our guest. Follow him on Twitter at EJ Smith ninety four. My biggest concern with this team right now is injuries uh, in the secondary, in the back end. And I know uh, I guess Sidney Brown 
is now out tomorrow. Uh, Justin Evans, I don't know. Is this uh, is this potentially lining up as a weak spot for this team moving forward? Do you anticipate guys coming back? Any changes? What do you see? Yeah, so Justin Evans is questionable for the game, and they've this is kind of the situation that they left themselves going in, and this is the reality of having as many you know, high, highly paid players, mm-hmm. you know, at, at key positions is that they're going to have to get by at some spots, you know, uh, at safety, they were thin at the beginning of the summer and it's only gotten worse. You know, they're really fortunate that Reed Blankenship an undrafted, you know, uh, second year player out of middle Tennessee state <laughs> has turned into like a very steady, uh, steady presence on the back end. Cause you know, things would be even more bleak. So, you know, I mean, Justin Evans didn't practice much all week. So I would expect to see more Terrell Edmonds. Um, you know, they've got uh, Tristan McCollum on the practice squad. You know, I, I'm keeping an eye out today to see if he gets called up. Uh, you know, they're going to be thin at that spot. It hasn't affected them too much, again, because the, the defensive line, the pass rush has been so effective. And, you know, I think that they're going to have to keep relying on Darius Lane, James Bradbury to kind of win their one-on-one matchups and kind of hold things together back there. But, no, I mean, uh, you know, when you think of games against the 49ers and, you know, the Bills and the Chiefs, you know, the the safeties and the linebackers, that middle of the field defense is a huge concern, especially against the 49ers who, you know, that's really where they want to, you know, win their matchups and kind of, uh, you know, exploit defenses as, uh, you know, linebacking core and safety safety groups. So, um, you know, I think it's going to be a week-by-week thing. There's going to be some weeks where you're, you know, you're sitting there on Monday morning watching the, watching the game back and you're going, man, like the Eagles just cannot defend the middle of the field. But then there are going to be games where they create havoc in the pocket and it won't really matter. That's much. going to be so, the key. Yep. The, the key is they just right. got to get to the yeah. quarterback. Yeah. 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 EJ, yep, last exactly. one, last one from me. Let's widen the lens a little bit. Is there anything about the league so far through the first three weeks or so, the NFC in particular, that has stood out to you, surprised you? We watched the Lions really put it on the Packers on Thursday night. Is there is there anything about the conference and the Eagles' place in it that has stood out to you so far? Yeah, I, I know Dallas just had a, a hiccup against the Cardinals there, but, I mean, I still think that that Dallas team is going to be pretty good, maybe a little bit better than I expected. Um, you know, their pass rush is just going – it just is, you know, as – it reminds me of the Eagles pass rush a little bit last year where they're just going to destroy games. So again, I know they just had a hiccup, but the Dallas, the, the Dallas start to the, uh, the season definitely surprised me. I mean, the, the, the Lions run is, is intriguing to me, but it's like, I, I don't know. It's, it's kind of shaping up the way that I expected for the most part outside of that. I mean, you start to look at quarterbacks and you start to wonder which, which of these teams is really going to give the Eagles the hardest time. So, you know, I, I want to see more of the 49ers, you know, I want to see more of this Brock Purdy experiment and, Really, the thing with Brock Purdy is less about him and more about their ability to protect him and, right. you know, be able to, uh, you know, build an offense that can function for him. You know, they've got a lot of talented players, but, again, they, they haven't always done the best job keeping him, you know, upright and keeping him out of harm's way. So, um, you know, there's still some question marks that I want to, you know, kind of get a good uh, a good look at over the next couple of weeks. But, you know, again, I mean, may, I, I was a little low on Dallas, and maybe – uh, last week is is a reason for me to go back to that uh, that stance, but I do think that this could come down to the Eagles Cowboys. You know, once we're uh, once we're in December here. So, where do the Lions fit in? Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I and they look really good I'm, the other night. I, I I I don't know is a very valid answer, but to me, I'm leaning <laughs> with I don't know, but they may be the fourth team in the NFC that's that's. And, under consideration. And Jared Goff, surprisingly to me, is better than most quarterbacks in the conference. 
Yeah, but that's like not saying that much right. to me. See, like for me, like the <laughs> right, the the Lions, they're all in the AFC. The Lions, that's true. The, the Lions to me feel like the Giants from last year, where it's like they're a talented team. They've got a lot of you know a lot of good players, but if the Eagles have a playoff game against Detroit and it's a home game, like if they lose to Jared Goff at home in the playoffs, you beat stunned, you know. And I think that's just what I kind of go back to. I know I know he's better than than Daniel Jones is, but he still kind of falls in that category where. You know, if your road is through Jared Goff, like, to get to the NFC Championship game, you you would take that. Fair enough. EJ Smith, thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate it. We will. Uh, I will see you in the press box tomorrow. Uh, just don't write what I'm going to write, okay? <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was going to write. Uh, no, whatever it is, I he was going to write it. I get it. <laughs> hey, EJ, thanks a ton. Thank you, guys. All right, thanks, EJ. There you go. He's, he's an all-around good guy he, good person, he, too. You know what? I don't think I've ever met him other than to like say hello. You, you, Tomorrow, you're we're all going to be in the press box, mm-hmm. right? Do me yeah. a favor, walk me over to EJ so I can have a conversation. Well, uh, he's, you you sit at the other end tonight. Well, see. here's here's what I'll do uh-huh. because his Twitter handle is EJ Smith at EJ Smith ninety four, and the reason it's ninety four because he wants to be on the station. No, it's no. that was the year he was born. Oh, Jesus. So I'm yeah, gonna walk. I, I, I'm gonna walk him over to you. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> I got I got neckties that old. I know, I know. It's it's really one yeah. of those things where see all of a sudden it's like, listen, I've accepted like my age and mm-hmm. I got no problem with it. I am what I am, right? I've been around a long time. Sure, you're at that age where like you still think you're young. Oh yeah, but then every once in a while something happens and it's like, no, I wasn't even alive in in nine eleven. Like, wow, really? I I was spending time. We, my wife and I were spending time with friends last night and we were talking about this very topic. Uh-huh. Whereas on the one hand, there's a part of me that feels like I am finally the 48-year-old man I was always meant to be. Right. <laughs> yeah, you, you know, do. You, you I have was the 40, demeanor. I was 48 right. when I was 28. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then there's the other part where when you're exercising and doing things that you used to do oh. five or 10 years ago, and you're like, oh, God, I am 48. This that's is terrible. Hard. That's the, All right. Quick story. Yeah. The last time I blew out my knee, okay, which I blew out my knees. You Both of them, right? Both of them multiple times. Ugh. But the time that, that finally led to me getting knee replacement surgery is I was about 48, and I'm on a treadmill at the gym, going my, you know, 6.4 miles an hour. That's pretty good. Chugging clip. along. Well, that's, you know. A woman gets on the one next to me. She's 25. <laughs> like, she's really in good shape, I right? can see where this is going right? already. And she starts running. And we're both running at 6.4. And then she, like, pushes it up. She's at 6.8. It's like, oh, all right, I'll go 6.8, right? By the way, she's unaware of my existence. Right. Two feet away from her, right? <laughs> she's got, well, I don't know if she had eye, uh, ear pads on she, at the time. She might, have had, she might have had a portable CD player. Yeah, for right. now. <laughs> right. And all of she's going, like, over 7. And it's like, oh, and then all of a sudden, she's, like, over 7.8. And I like I got to keep up with her for no reason other than I'm an idiot, right? Mm-hmm. And it's sure. like challenge accepted. Not that she threw out a challenge, exactly. But I yeah. feel the need to do it. All of a sudden, as we're like getting up there, you know, it's seven point something. My right knee just goes. It just like like an old tire. It just blows. Wow. And I fall down on the treadmill, which carries me to the end, and I'm lying, uh, you know, past the treadmill writhing in pain as my knee is completely shot. And by the way, she did not even turn her eyes to notice me. I was going to say, at what point did Florence Griffith Joyner next to you look over and say, oh my gosh, this poor man. Never. (laughs) Never. The people at the gym are like coming over to help me. Oh man, she never never broke stride. She kept going. 
Uh, and I was on my way to get my 10th surgery. Well, that wasn't my 10th, but that was probably my 8th surgery. I mean, that was knee replacement. Wow. So, there you that's when you know you've hit a certain age. I I have Don't blow out your knee on a treadmill. No, right? I'm I'm getting to the point where I come home on a Saturday from this show and I do 10 minutes worth of calisthenics and go for a walk and then come back because that's the age I'm hitting and I'm yep. trying not to to de- yep. do too much damage you're to right, myself. You're right in that middle. That's yeah. the funny thing. It's yeah, like you're, it's you're middle like age. Oh, I know all the current music and then something comes on like what the hell is what that? What is that? <sighs> <laughs> That's not naughty by nature. I don't know. Uh, Springsteen? I don't know. Anyway, we will still take your calls on the Eagles, on the Phillies. We're going to kind of go around the sports scene in the next um, segment. We've got the folded piece of paper with our picks for Sunday's Eagles-Commanders game. Uh, You can call in, of course, at 215-592-9494. He is Glenn Macnow. I am Mike Sealski on 94 WIP. Hey, it's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafty windows and doors before another cold, long winter season rolls in and the great people that got a door and window. They're going to help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one, get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. And you can mix and match the savings, suit your own needs. They'll let you do that. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. You need a patio door, you get 50% off a window. Maybe you need to replace all the windows and doors in your house. Guess what? You save 50% on half the project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, God is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down. Interest refinancing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guided today. Schedule a free, no obligation in home estimate at 1 877 Go Guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G U I D A.com. Mike Sealski and Glenn Mack now here on 94 WIP. Again, Go Birds Radio with Elliot Shore Parks and James Seltzer coming up at 1 o'clock. Glenn, there was breaking news this week mm. that we have neglected to talk about so far in this show. And it's news that I think probably had some interest for people in the Philadelphia area, certainly baseball fans. Our friend Gabe Kapler oh, yeah. was fired Friday as the manager of the San Francisco Giants. Yeah, things kind of went downhill there. They looked uh, early on this year like they were going to be a real playoff contender, and then they just went downhill. What I think is, what I imagine, because I believe this happened here, his act wears thin on players, right? The rah-rah stuff coming in and Mm -hmm. all the inspirational mumbo-jumbo. At first, it's like, yeah, you know, this guy really wants to win. And then after a while, I imagine it is a voice in players' heads that they just wish would be quiet and go away. So I think he's the kind of guy who's not going to last. He might have initial success, but won't last too long with any franchise. Yeah, and I also think, to be very frank about it, it wears on fans. It's not a... I did hear. It's not an interesting brand of baseball to watch. And as good as they were, what was it, a season ago or two seasons ago, they won 107 games. Mm -hmm. Uh, They collapsed, as you said, in the second half of this season. And from reading the coverage out on the West Coast of it, it sounds like the incessant... Pitching changes and platoons and all the very heavy-handed decision-making that he tends to make really started to weigh on people. In fact, there's a columnist out there. Let me get the uh, the gentleman's name right. uh, Dave Tobner for the Mm -hmm. San Francisco Chronicle who had a paragraph in his reaction column to the Kapler firing that I think will sound familiar to people around here. Kapler failed to produce a style of play that resonated with fans. 
Under Kapler, the Giants went away from consistent lineups and rotations, instead embracing platoons, openers, and matchup-based strategies. It may have worked a lot of the time, but my God, did it produce a boring brand of yeah, baseball. Yeah, well, you know, we, we saw that here. It was not a great era of Phillies baseball. He was In this town particularly, he was a bad match in so yeah. many ways. Yeah, I, I thought it might have worked out better for him there just because of San Francisco. Yeah, he would much more seem a Bay Area kind of guy. Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, let, yeah, I wish him well. I hope it all works out. But, again, I don't think he's ever going to be the guy who – Goes to a franchise and stays there five, seven, ten years. No, I think you're right. He's got a he's got a short shelf life. Uh, we were talking a little bit with EJ Smith about this, and uh, I know you had watched the Lions Packers game the other night, and kind of framing it in terms of teams in the NFC that the Eagles are going to have to concern themselves with, and everybody rightly presumes it's going to be the 49ers and the Cowboys who are going to be battling the Eagles out for that top spot in the conference. What did you think of watching Detroit play the other night? I, I know EJ kind of said, hey, any team with Jared Goff as its quarterback, they're not going to come into Philadelphia and win. But the Lions look pretty good so far this season. Yeah, and I am i mean, I am didn't want to suggest that I think they will come into Philadelphia and win. But I think they have – there were a lot of people before the season put them in the upper echelon of teams in the NFC. Mm-hmm. And I – was a little bit skeptical because over the years I've seen people predict Detroit to be good many, many a time, and they didn't pan out. And I thought some of it might be tied to, well, I like that coach. He's a rah-rah coach. Yeah. He's fun to watch. He's going to eat your leg or yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, so I want him to be good. But I watched it. I, by the way, I turned it off at halftime because that game was over, and I know the Packers kind of made it respectable in the second half. Mm-hmm. And I imagine the Lions just kind of laid back. They thrashed him the first half on both sides. The yeah. defense – was great, mm-hmm. and I, you know, we don't know what love is yet if he's if he's viable right. or not. But they confused him on every play, and they pressured him, and they picked him off, and and um, Green Bay could get no running game going whatsoever. They're getting tackled in the backfield for losses, and on the other side of the ball, the Lions had their way on every on every pass play, every run play. They just they was it twenty eight to three at the half. Yeah, yeah, uh, they just owned them in Lambo. Yes. And that impressed the hell out of me. By the way, I hate the Amazon. I don't hate. I like the broadcasters. I my my streaming is just not as clear as when I watch you, it. You you went exactly where I wanted to go, which was the the three areas that make it difficult for me to enjoy Thursday night football, which I don't like anyway. I don't yeah, think sure. they should be playing on Thursday nights. No, nor do nor do the players. Right, and it's bad for the players. It's bad for their health. Number one. You're watching a game on Amazon. For whatever reason, the picture quality is poor. It is. It 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 it. The players are melting. The screen is slow. Yeah, you it's, just you just notice a slight difference from when you watch a game on. Yes, over the air TV. Number yeah. two, I am not as high on Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet as I think you are. I don't think they're good together. I uh, I give Michaels. I don't know if I want to say more respect than you. I think Al Michaels is a, is an all time great, and if he's not as good as he used to be, I think he's still fine. Okay, I'm not a big Herb Street guy. Herb Street wouldn't make my. I don't actively dislike him, but he would not make my top ten. I mean, I think he's great on college. Yeah, football much better on college because football. he knows college football inside and out. I yeah. don't think he knows the NFL as well. I agree, and he's a little chatty. A little bit, yeah. He he and Michaels strike me when I hear them call a game. As if they just met five minutes before they're about to broadcast the game. Chemistry's not there like it has been with certainly with some of Michael's partners. In the sure, yeah. absolutely, or with Buck and Aikman or people yeah. like that. And then finally, can't flip. 
got to be able to flip during a game. I, it's so funny. I am I am physically unable, and I think this is probably true of probably men more than women. Yes. Watching anything on TV without having the remote in one, probably the remote in one hand and my cell phone in the yes. other. My wife is <laughs> telling my wife gets on me about this, and Same. I don't blame her. Same. But it's like there's a commercial. I got to flip, and, and when you watch when you're streaming, you really can't do it. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, I know. it's the old Jerry Seinfeld joke. I want to watch joke. something else. Too. I want to watch the Phillies at the same time. It's the old Jerry Seinfeld joke. Men are always looking for what else is on TV, and you can't look for what else is on yeah, TV uh, if true. you're watching an Amazon game. It's so true. it's all the more reason for the NFL to be But I tell you, I think, I, I think the Lions are, are for real, which doesn't mean they're going to go to the Super Bowl. But, it, but teams have – years where it all all goes right. The Eagles, it was that 2017, Mm -hmm. everything went right. They got injuries, but man, it was their season, and you kind of knew it. Yes, absolutely. After Jake Elliott hit that field goal in week three, he was like, oh, okay, so this is how it's going to go. I think if you live in Detroit right now, and God bless him, I spent six years living in Detroit. I love those people. I love that town. I love those people. I think you're starting to feel that, and it's been a long time since you felt it. Yeah, Detroit is – it's interesting. You've, you've talked all the time about the other cities where you've lived and worked. And in you know being a Buffalo native, having worked in Detroit, you've had an up-close experience with two other cities that are very similar to Philadelphia in their sensibility and their mentality and their passion for sports. Yeah. And both of those cities – have gone a long time as as we did yeah as we until did until we while. didn't right. right you yeah. know without celebrating a championship and I, I'm with you I would like to see the Lions do well just because they've been around it's it's like the NFC version of the Browns right like now I don't root yeah for the Browns oh they've for, never been to the Super Bowl right they've never been to it like the Browns they've never yep. been to a Super Bowl it's unbelievable it, it really is remarkable it really it's a good measure of perspective for people around here to have now. We've talked about this again, too. Things have changed in Philadelphia because the Eagles won the Super Bowl and because things have been better lately with the Phillies and generations are turning over and it's not as hostile here as it used to be. Uh, But it's always good to remember, hey, Lions fans have never celebrated their team even getting to a Super Bowl. Browns fans have never celebrated their team even getting to a Super Bowl. Buffalo. By the way, Browns ain't getting there this year. No. Well, their defense is pretty good. I, I don't know that I trust Deshaun Watson. Quarter, no. You know, but their defense so. is pretty good. Um, you know, and Buffalo, of course, between the Bills and the Sabres, just it's nothing but suffering. Yes. Year after year after I year. Still, I still know a lot of those people, and I, I, I just I wish for them at some point they get that. Uh, Philly, what's the uh, – we got some Phillies news. Is that correct? Yes, or? we do. Ben, you have Phillies news for us? Yes, there is Phillies news. Uh, Matt Gelb from The Athletic tweeted it out. They play two games today. Taiwan Walker will start game one. They have not announced the game two starter, but they're obviously having to get through these games that are meaningless with the pitchers that aren't going to be starting the wildcard series, and they can't call up anybody because if they send somebody down, they're not eligible for the postseason. So a bit of a of a pretzel. So you're going to see a lot of Dylan Covey. You're going to see Taiwan Walker. That tells you Taiwan Walker is not pitching in the, the wildcard round, I would think. Lorenzen, I would think. Yeah, but you can't overuse. You might need him. So I think what everybody everybody gets an inning. I think you're right. Dylan Covey gets multiple innings, but you get you get one inning or or two. You get two out of Strom. 
Yeah. Right. You get two out of Lorenz and Yeah, you're gonna have to use some guys who you yeah, might yeah, use yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Strom and Lorenzen factor into the into the playoffs, certainly. Uh who am I thinking? Uh, uh what's his name? Uh, Orion Kirk. Marte. Oh yeah, use Marte. Right. Marte Marte gets to pitch a lot. Kirk yeah, you don't think I'm telling you, I think Kirkman's gonna pitch in a postseason. I do too. Oh, I know, but okay. but he needs a little bit more work, I okay. would think. You said, because I love this line, uh, Ben Kenny, you said that they should have Covey go all nine. Uh, and you quoted a great line from um, – uh, go ahead. You just say it. A line from Succession that they would use often. Uh, Covey would be a pain sponge yeah. in that setting. <laughs> That's great. That's great. A pain yeah. sponge. Yeah, I, I'm not confident that he could go nine and give up two or three runs. No. No, no but not. it's like when Hoffman – you remember Memorial Day, I think, when they were in Atlanta Sunday night, Covey comes out uh, in the first inning, gives up seven runs, and gets one out. Yes. And you know the game's over. And Jeff Hoffman, this is before Hoffman before was he established good. himself. He yeah. was out there, and they were like, dude, get us to the fifth inning somehow. Yeah. They might score eight times, but get us there. That's kind of what it's like. Yep. Yeah. I mean, they're out of that now, and, and you're thinking, as we talked about earlier, okay, who do you use when? And, you know, I, I put this to you, Glenn. I, I, if I were the Phillies, I would not hesitate about keeping Kirkring on the postseason roster. Here's why. Okay. Yeah. Unfamiliar. Unfamiliar. Yeah, nobody's seen him. Okay. Nobody's seen him. Mm-hmm. Nobody's seen him. I think that sort of thing in a short series is very, very valuable. And if you are assured, or at least close to it, that he can handle the moment, I'm keeping him well, out that's there. That's the question. Yeah. How old is he? 22. He's 22. Yeah. He's younger than E.J. Smith. Every, yeah. He's younger than me. He's younger than, <laughs> he's younger than Ben. Ke- ben, what are you doing? He's younger than Kevin Stocker when Was. he came up in 93. Yeah, well. That's true. That's and he's point. pitching. So it's a big if, but it, yeah, I agree. If, and, and Charlie Manuel would say, or, or Dallas Green, mm-hmm. right? I would see it in his eyes. Yeah. Dallas oh, yeah. would say, he's got belly. That <laughs> was Dallas. He's got, he's got he's belly. Got belly. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I guess uh, when I hear them talk about him pitching, I haven't, I haven't seen him live yet. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, nobody's seen him live, right? Like a couple, but yeah. That ball moves, yeah. and it moves late, and it moves fast. And this kid, he moved from single A to the major leagues in the year, and maybe he is that sensation. He he only has to be a sensation for a couple of appearances yeah, in yeah, a month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and yeah. All right, so let me ask. I'm sorry. I no, go ahead. Give me the order in which you trust guys in the bullpen right now, the Mike Sealski order power rankings of the bullpen. Okay, number one is Jose Alvarado. I think he's got his cutter back. I don't think you have to worry about him struggling in the late innings now. I think he's going to be fine. Mm -hmm. I think Jeff Hoffman is probably number two. Wow, okay. He's probably number Uh, two. Possible closing situation? Maybe. I put Soto after that. I put Dominguez after that. I put Kimbrell after that. I, I'm I'm not down with Soto. I'm, no, I know Soto scares me. He does. Kimbrel scares me a little more. I'll take your first two. Wait, where, where's Kirkring in there? Oh, he's probably third, I guess. <laughs> I'm serious. Wait a second. So you got you got a save situation coming up this week against the uh, Diamondbacks from yeah. Marlins. Yeah. Save situation? No, I'm using Alvarado as a as uh, my closer. Okay, so you got uh, you're up three to two in the eighth. Mm-hmm. And ig- ignore who might be coming up, lefty, righty, whatever. Mm-hmm. You're putting Kirkman ahead of Kimbrell? Yes. Whoa. I am. I got I, I got to go with experience I, there. I, I got think Kimbrell's on fumes. And I and look, he's been terrific. He's been absolutely great. He was an all-star. 
But lately he has not been, and I, I that would make me nervous. You're asking a lot out of a kid who's pitched exactly two innings in the major leagues. I don't know that at, I I can't imagine there's been a time. And I'm sure. Let me let me look. As this I up. say that, I'm sure I'm wrong. There's been a time when somebody came into the postseason with virtually no experience and and wowed the world. I'm but that's pr- what you're asking. I'm pretty sure that Francisco Rodriguez K Rod did that for the Angels in 2002. That he was that young, and that unfamiliar, that, and that electric with his stuff. Oh, well, you look that up. Let me look that up. I will look that up wow. during the break. Okay. You know, right. when we come back, when we come back, I will come back with all the names of all the young pitchers who had never pitched in the playoffs before, but dominated once they got here. We will do the folded piece of paper with our Eagles Commanders predictions. Uh, We have time for a couple of your calls. The lines are wide open at 215-592-9494. And when we come back from the break, he will still be Glenn Macnow and I will still be Mike Sealski on 94 WIP. 94 WIP, Mike Sealski and Glenn Mack now taking you to 1 o'clock when Go Birds Radio comes on with Elliot Shore Parks and James Seltzer. Glenn, I've, I've heard that you have an event coming up with somebody, um, <laughs> Ray Dottinger. Yeah, is, so I, Ray, I Ray, Ray and I are going to be getting together to do a sports movie night at the Players Club of Spothmore. Awesome. BCS, BCS Theater, as is now known, where we Ray and I wrote the book, The Ultimate Book book of sports movies and we show clips from like eight or nine movies short clips talk about the casting and how it came to be and why it's a great movie and essential scenes and it's about a 90 minute program we've done it a few times we've switched out some of the movies we've added some of the Ah. newer sports movies which ones have you added uh we got creed in there for Ah, one yeah which is very good we're talking about doing some other more recent movies because we like to keep it updated but Mm -hmm. some of the classics as well uh, it is Tuesday, November 7th, Tuesday, November 7th at the Players Club of Swarthmore. And you can get tickets by going to pcstheater.org. I'm happy to say that ticket sales are going really well. Uh, so if you want a good seat, get there quickly, pcstheater.org. Just scroll down the front page and you'll see the event. Should be a great event. Mike, I hold in my hand a folded piece of paper that has the exact final score of the Eagles game tomorrow at home against the Washington Commies. Give me your prediction first, please. Well, we're not surprising anybody based on what we've said throughout this show uh, in terms of what we think about this game. I think Washington is really going to struggle to keep Sam Howell upright. uh, They can't block anybody, and the Eagles are one of the most difficult teams to block. I think there's going to be opportunities for Darius Slay and James Bradbury uh, to make plays on the ball because Hal throws the ball up to his receivers, takes a lot of risks. He's a young quarterback, fifth round pick. I think this is pretty one sided. I'm saying Eagles 38 to 14. Ooh, that's very one sided. Even so, even more one sided than so, I. So, and now I'm opening up the folded piece of paper on which Glenn Macnow has written Eagles 30, Commander 17. Yeah, it's going to be a fun day at the ballpark. Come for the pregame show. We're going to have Harold Carmichael as the alumni guest tomorrow uh, right around noon, so we'll see you then. Should we go to Dan Wilson for what we forgot to talk about? Or Ben well, Kenny. Dan's ben not Kenny. here. Dan but... Wilson. <laughs> yeah, we wow. can do the same thing. What am I doing? Hello. Hi, Ben. Should I text Dan? No. <laughs> uh, I, I, I heard last night he, he, he texted me a picture. He's eating at Ralph's. Dan so, was yes with his parents. Was he was he to, was he having yes, ice cream? He had ice cream. He <laughs> did again. And Chocolate by the milk. way, yes, and Ralph, yeah. we love Ralph's stupid football bet. Anyway, yes. go ahead. Um, all right, uh, to lead it off, I take us to Atlanta, 
where Ace Spencer Strider, you may remember him as the mustache guy that gave up the home run to Reese Hoskins in the playoffs, had this to say. All right, enough. Enough all right, of him. All right, I, I think he's being tongue-in-cheek and dry-humored and all of those he's things. He's got to be. I watched it, and I kept looking for the sign of a smile, of a smirk, of a, like, um, you're in on the joke, and he didn't do it. But I can't believe he actually – he may actually think that. Mm-hmm. I think there are athletes oh, yeah. who would love to play in an empty stadium. Absolutely. But I think he's pulling out of that. I think so, too. What do you think, Ben? I don't think that comes to his mind if it's not – a little bit truthful. There has to be a grain of truth in it. Mm, and enough. anyway, probably not something you should say before you probably pitch in Philadelphia in game four if it gets to that. Oh, I think people will use that, yes. We could have a um, Bert Hooten situation all over again. You're too young to remember Bert Hooten. I am. You're too young to remember Bert Hooten. Yeah, well, that's... <laughs> I don't remember it. I go know ahead. of it. Yes, go ahead. All right, go ahead, Ben. M- moving on. Hard-hitting stuff today. Our own Howard Askin documented this. Somebody tried to bring a pet alligator into the Phillies game earlier this week. It was an emotional support alligator. It was not a pet alligator. Pet alligator is a pet. Emotional support alligator is salaried and gets benefits and has a job. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I got nothing. It's Philadelphia, man. What else do you say? It's It's Philadelphia. Just don't let it loose in the sewers, because then they grow up and get gigantic, and then they, and they come out. And they come out your toilets. Yes, and, yeah, exactly. I remember that story, oh. that, that urban legend as a kid. Yes. Is that the right. plot of a movie that I didn't see? It probably was, but it, when I was growing up, there was an urban legend that people would like have pet alligators, and then they'd like, go in the sewer, and then they'd come in the, in the toilets. Trust me, I didn't sit down for three years. <laughs> go ahead. <laughs> All right. Um, and then a big, uh, big NBA news, if we even care at this point with what the Phillies and, and the Eagles are doing. Dame Lillard, uh, not traded to the Sixers, but not traded to the Heat. He was traded to the Milwaukee Bucks, yeah. which included a lot of moving pieces that I couldn't really understand. But Drew Holiday was dealt for Dame, and now it looks like he is back on the market. And the Sixers have been mentioned as a possible suitor for a, a Drew Holiday reunion. Would be an excellent fit here. It would depend on what they have to give up to get him. Uh, his trade, Glenn, was really the the kickstart of the process. I know when Sam Hankey dealt him away, and uh, he's I a mean, terrific player. They didn't want Harden, so what are you going? Yeah, are, what are I you going to give him? Yeah. I, I don't know how you do that. I don't know how they do it either. You know, the Sixers start training camp on Tuesday, mm. and there's really very little buzz about them, and they're really in a tough spot, man. They don't know. They don't think Harden's going to show up, but they don't know for certain. And they are going to be two different teams with him without him. They're going yeah, to have to play two totally separate ways. Being hijacked right now. Uh, uh, I just want to say one more time, if we may. I believe tomorrow at the game, uh, the owner of the Sixers, since you brought him up, is going to be at the Eagles game mm-hmm. tomorrow, potentially with members of your Philadelphia 76ers. My Philadelphia 76ers? In his, well, you're the greater audience. Okay. 70, Philadelphia gotcha. 76ers. You're our listeners, Philadelphia 76ers. In his box – and my suggestion for everyone is... Boo this man! 
Thank you, Ben. I got to go back and watch Half Baked. Uh, I really do because it's you, got. You should watch it in that condition. Yeah, well, it's got Dave Chappelle and Bob Saget. Yeah. So it's yeah. going to be funny, at least in parts. Oh yeah. Um, ben Kenny, thank you for producing today. As always, we appreciate it. Thank you to E.J. Smith and Kevin Stocker for joining us. I think, Glenn, you have something you need to. I just got to do a read. I'll see you. Read. With, I'll see you at the game tomorrow. I'll see you in man. the press box tomorrow, where you'll be booing Josh Harris. Uh, not from there, I won't. <laughs> but yes, nonetheless, thank you very much. Hey, it's that time of year again to consider replacing your old drafting windows and doors before another long, cold winter season rolls in. The great people at Guide Door and Window—they're going to help make your window and door replacement project more affordable with their buy one get one half off sale. For every door or window you buy, you get a second one at 50% off. You can mix and match the savings to suit your own needs. Buy an entry door, get half off a storm door. Buy a patio door, get 50% off a window. Need to replace all the windows and doors in your house. You save 50% on half your project. The more you need, the more you save. Plus, Guide is making it easier for you to afford your project with no money down. Interest-free financing for up to 18 months. Act now. Offers for a limited time only. Restrictions apply. For full details, call Guida today. Schedule a free, no-obligation in-home estimate at one eight seven seven go guida or visit them at goguida.com. That's go, G-U-I-D-A.com.